Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy with me for the duration of the three-hour program today. And coming up today, we will have a lot of different things for you. We will continue to review Auburn and Vanderbilt from this past weekend. We'll also get into too many of the college football games from this past weekend, so we'll get into some thoughts on the big ones from this past weekend. We'll also give some thoughts on basketball as Auburn basketball tips off tonight in South Dakota, the Sanford Pentagon against number 20 Baylor. We will have a preview of that game. And to do that, we will re-air our audio from Coach Bruce Pearl from last week. We had an interview with Coach Pearl before the exhibition game last Wednesday, so we will uh, play that again in the 5 o'clock hour today. Also, though, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, we'll have the head women's basketball coach of Auburn University, Coach Johnny Harris, live on the program. That will be around 415 this afternoon, the uh, Auburn women's team getting a win against Jacksonville State last night. So we'll talk about that with Coach Harris as well as preview the season as a whole. Uh, so we have Coach Johnny Harris on live, and we have, again, the re-airing of Coach Bruce Pearl. So have some basketball for you today as the basketball season now officially underway after yesterday's game had one stunner in the top five as number four Michigan State lost at home to James Madison. So... Uh, again, you always have to be aware in college basketball, anything can happen. And so we'll talk a little bit about that again. Uh, like I said, a good bit of football today, a little bit of everything on this Tuesday edition of the program. If you would like to give us a call on the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free, one 9 tiger 9 Ryan, Tom, and Brooks with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. Tom Peavy, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. It's a, it's a busy week for me. Uh, as we have talked about throughout the week, we've got the Southwest Fire Department chili dinner coming up Thursday. So I have been busy getting everything, uh, my side of things set up with that. So, uh, and uh, once again, Southwest Fire Department chili dinner coming up Thursday, November the 9th, uh, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, Sports Call will be out there broadcasting live. It's a Great event for you to come out. Uh, All-you-can-eat chili. We'll be raffling off a bunch of uh, door prizes and big raffle prizes at the end. Live music, family-friendly event, fire trucks on display. Um, we've had we've had upwards of 300 people uh, into this event before. So, I mean, it, it's something that gets talked about. I, I'm telling you, I, it, it's the craziest thing. Usually when fall starts rolling around kind of you get towards the end of summer and all of a sudden everybody starts asking when's chili dinner when's chili dinner when's chili dinner so it's become a very popular event that 
a lot of folks really want to know about. It's a very popular event that people have begun coming to over the last several years. Uh, this is the 13th year we've done it. And all the funds go to uh, the volunteer fire department. It's 100% volunteer, made up mostly of Auburn University students. And uh, they, these funds go to help the department with uh, purchasing new equipment, upgrading equipment, uh, general uh, upgrades around just the fire department in general. Uh, so it goes to a good cause. It's a, you know being a volunteer fire department, we don't get a lot of funding, so uh, we have to do these fundraiser type events to to get the stuff to upgrade equipment and all so it's for a good cause it's a good time and so we hope everybody will come out to southwest fire department station one thursday at 6 p.m and then uh what's the price for the for the ticket there so uh if you go online if you just google search southwest fire department chili dinner and it'll pull up uh you can purchase tickets there they're eight dollars uh pre-sale uh, $5 for a raffle ticket. At the day of the event at the door, they're $10 uh, for a chili ticket and $5 still for raffle. So, uh, yeah. And uh, like I said, it's it's a good time. A lot of people will be there. A lot of other fire departments will be there. Uh, law enforcement will be there. Uh, it's just a, it's something big that the, the community turns out for, and it's it's a fun time for everybody. Absolutely. Brooks Childress also on the show today. Brooks, how are you? I am doing great. Had a, had a wonderful weekend. Uh, you mentioned it yesterday on the show, I'm sure. Uh, but me and you, Ryan, traveled to uh, Nashville for the Auburn-Vanderbilt game, and uh, that was a that was an interesting uh, affair getting around that place. Oh, we we heard the worst of the weekend of trying to navigate the yeah. labyrinth to just get to the press box. Yeah, that's uh, and, and to get to the did did uh, I don't know if, if Ryan if you mentioned did did you mention about the uh, the post game interview set up too. Oh, I didn't mention that. Yeah, well, I ran out of time. It yeah. took like four. We, minutes. we were yeah. we were overtime. We were cutting the show off. The the visiting. Uh, post-game interview room for Coach Freeze was literally in the construction foreman's trailer. <laughs> like, there are blueprints, there's there's helmets and vests hung on the wall. There's, like, literally, there were yeah, there, uh, the, like, it was, they had meeting space there where you had, like, the, the plans laid out. It was, uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. It was an interesting setup. And it was through, it was out, outside the stadium, through a parking lot, uh, across the street. It was, it was, it was very interesting, uh, but we uh, we had a fun time, uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's uh, we're getting into another big week of uh, of sports here. You know, you got basketball tipped off uh, last night. Had some fun games across the the uh, across the spectrum. You saw the number one women's team go down in the first game of the year. Colorado beat number one LSU. How about that? Um, and then. Uh, later that night, you had a team that had played the national championship last year. San Diego State was on, so I watched a little bit of that game. Um, and then, yeah, Auburn tips things off tonight in the men's side. They uh, got things started last night on the women's side of things with a big win over in-state foe Jacksonville State. And so uh, we'll see if the, the men can do the same thing tonight, get a big win uh, against a, a top 25 Baylor team. We uh, can't wait to talk about all of that. Can't wait to uh, continue to talk college football and uh, get to our, our wonderful program we have here today. Yeah, that's why the, uh, the the Vanderbilt experience was both best and worst of the weekend. It was uh, a little bit of everything in Nashville, but still overall was a, a good time. And obviously was a good time for the Auburn football team as they were able to come away with a 31-15 victory. We got into a lot of the game yesterday about everything that we saw good and bad observations so brooks turning to you what were some of your big takeaways from the performance at vanderbilt 
Uh, still not. You're, I'm, I'm still looking for a consistent performance throughout the game. It was. It continues to be. You have moments of really good and then moments of bad for for this Auburn football team. And you know, I, I think that's something that you know they, they've been trying to work on all year. At this point, I don't know if you're going to get a complete game. Uh, maybe the New Mexico State game is the is the complete game down the stretch. But you know, you, you look at this uh, this Auburn offense. They they showed some good things. I think Jarquez Hunter uh, is is finally starting to hit that stride here. Uh, as you go down the stretch, is what you really want too. Is you, is your top back to uh, to start peaking at the right time here. Um, and so I, I think that that was, you know, the, the run game was, was fine. Um, you, you saw, you know, passing. I, I did appreciate, you know, the, the consistency to go with Peyton Thorne the entire game, even after he, uh, you know, there, there were some times where you, you saw him a little shaky through that pick six in the red zone or in the, in the minus red zone, I guess. Uh, and that, uh, that was not great. And, but I, I appreciated that. Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze stuck with Thorne after that and didn't just, you know, all right, let's see what Robbie can do. Uh, they, they let him, you know, they, they let him have some growing pains there. They let him stand in there and make the mistake and rebound from it. So I, I appreciated that. Um, I thought it was, you know, 17 points in the first half, 14 in the second half, so consistent, kind of kind of consistent scoring. Um Ultimately, though, a lot was left on the field. There was uh, there Auburn could have won that game a little bit uh, more handily, but uh, there were still some of those those mistakes and some of those uh, not executing uh, to the fullest extent that that has been plaguing Auburn all year. Kind of came back. The defense I thought played really well. I think what they only gave up eight points on the day. Uh, I think that that's what because they scored a touchdown on the on the uh, pick six. And so only gave up eight points, which is great, especially against an SEC opponent. I know it was Vanderbilt, but still, you, in the SEC, you only gave up eight points in a football game for the uh, for the defense. I thought that was great. Uh, I, I think that uh, Ron Roberts continues to do a good job with this defense, and they continue to uh, to step up. DJ James had a big day on on Saturday. Huge, uh, some some big numbers. I saw some PFF article come out today, uh, grading him very very high from this past weekend, and so. Uh, was really excited to see that. Was really excited for him to step up, and uh, yeah, I, I think overall, you know, obviously a good win, and it sets Auburn up in a in a good spot where you've got three chances to make a bowl game here. So, and and that's I think that's what we uh, a lot of Auburn fans were looking for this year was to make a bowl game, and now you got three chances to do it. You got Arkansas this weekend, you got New Mexico State, and you got Alabama at the end of the year, and uh, you you set yourself up in a good position to make some postseason uh, postseason play. Yeah, I think that it's clearly been the story that they have turned it over completely to Peyton Thorne. They have completely changed the concepts of their running in the pass offense. And we've seen that there are plays to be made. It it felt halfway through the season that there was just nothing doing, uh, nothing even available because of the litany of problems that the passing attack was having. Now we've seen that with Thorne in there for full sequences and full games, uh, we see that once rhythm is gained, there are some big plays to hit on. And again, I think the game planning has changed a little bit around that too. And so that has enabled at least them to think about running some pace too, because they have now um, exhibited, especially in the Vandy game. You started to see them try to do it the week before against Mississippi State at times. They've now started to be a little bit more comfortable 
with running some tempo. Now, I'd be curious to see. I think they'll still pull some of that out against Arkansas. I think the million-dollar question would be what they would want to do in the Iron Bowl because they'd obviously respect Alabama's defense more and they'd respect Alabama's offense more than the last couple of teams that they've played. But the the pace part of it is something that, again, when they're clicking, when he freezes comfortable, that's that's been a part of the game plan for for him for a, a good number of years. And so it, that also kind of shows you that they have continued to gain confidence internally with, with everything that they are they're starting to do. We talked yesterday about the continued off and on nature of run game uh, for Auburn. And, and look, to be honest with you, I've thought about it more. I looked at some numbers today. You know, it, it's still too, I, I will say, yes, it's not awesome. It's not the, um, not the consistently potent rushing attack. And again, I still maintain that they have uh, real, 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 problems when they're obviously in run situations they're not able to just line up and beat a bunch of teams when they absolutely have to but really the sec as a whole this year has just not had uh, a lot of great rushing attacks and we were going over brooks and i off the show earlier today the the leaders in the sec and rushing and that sort of thing and just not a lot of guys that really stand out to you. Missouri's running back Schrader's first, uh, Davis of Kentucky second. They're they're both going to get to 1,000 yards, but not necessarily the type of guys that you're just absolutely in love with for the next level. Then you've got Quinshaw Junkins coming in there. Uh, you, you've got Jaden Daniels, who's fifth in the SEC in rushing. And then Jarquez Hunter is all in a little, little group of like – Four running backs that are all in the mid-600s in rushing. They're all within five or six yards of each other. Jace McClellan's in that group. Uh, Dewan Edwards of Georgia's in that group. And then, like I said, Jarquez Hunter. And so really what you're looking at is a league that does not have, I would say, the caliber of running back that it is is used to having this year. Um, and some of that is Alabama not having uh, a guy that's on par for their standards, Georgia maybe not having their best version of running backs, although, again, Dewan Edwards has, has clearly stepped out for them in, in recent weeks. Rocket Sanders of Arkansas really just not healthy at all this year. I mean, the, the running backs for the league have, have just not not ended up panning out a whole lot. So that being said, Jarquez Hunter very well could end up top five in the league and rushing uh, with, with the pace he's going on. So, again, I, I know that it's not necessarily a strength. They've got to be better in certain situations. But overall, they're still running the ball somewhere in, in the vicinity of where they need to be, maybe just short of it uh, for the season. I, and I would be curious to see, because this is something we saw a lot in the Malzahn tenure, if they go and find more creative ways to run it to the perimeter, if they do more jet sweep stuff, they've done the little pot pass to Jeremiah Cobb some. That was a touchdown play in the Vandy game. If they feel comfortable doing that with any of their wide receivers, particular slot guys, uh, or, or anything of that sort. But it is it is something they're going to have to figure out for uh, maybe the Arkansas game and then particularly the Iron Bowl, how to, how to figure out that short yardage stuff. Although we, we did have a call yesterday too, I believe it was Matt that was bringing up the long third down stuff um, and 
how I, we went back through it of their 11 times they did not convert on third down, like nine or 10 of them were third and long, third and seven right. plus. So that also comes with first down tendencies and how make or break of a down first down has actually been for Auburn. And that's kind of dictated in some ways their third down success. Like the problem I'm talking about, the short yardage running situation, you know, that's only come up a handful of times because they're not actually in that situation a lot. And just maybe they've not converted the rate they've wanted to this year earlier in the season. But that's not a problem that's come up too much this year honestly because they've been in such so many third and longs so if, if you're on first down tom do you do you not like the run as much now do you look for that five to eight yard passing stuff that kind of gets you gets rhythm throwing gets you know those seven yard curls mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff or maybe a screen here screen there yeah. i mean are you kind of disinterested in the run on first down at this point or i mean because still it's a team that does run well, at times, I mean, yeah. it's not, I'm not like I'm asking. I'm certainly not saying abandon the run after three weeks ago, saying, "Oh, they can't pass at all. They got to run." I'm not saying that, but it, it is clear that first down has dictated what kind of opportunity they have on third down. I yeah, and I I would like to see more of the the quick passing of the screens or something because I really think teams, you know, especially when Auburn takes the field and because it's what they have shown they do. Teams are coming up and just stacking. They're stacking the box, and they're daring you to run it at them. And Auburn, it feels like more times than not, and more times than they need to, are content on first down to run the ball directly into the teeth of the defense that is stacking the box. And so I want to see something different on first down. Run play, run play action and, and go deep on first down. How about that for a change? You know, yeah, you're taking a risk. I get that. But – I mean, dadgum, I'm tired of just seeing the run up the middle and get stuffed. And now you're second down trying to figure it out. You know, if you're not, if you don't want to take that big risk on first down, then, you know, a, a screen, a, a quick slant, or, uh, you know, we've talked about finding a way to get Fairweather mismatch with a linebacker towards the center of the field. Like, you know, these, the NFL concepts that you see with a tight end that, uh, you know, block down and then, and then break off and have yourself open different things like that something with some imagination to it something different um to open things up on first down is something that i think auburn needs to do and i just haven't seen it it just it feels like you can almost like clockwork feel like that they're gonna run right up the middle on first down is what it feels like i know that's not the case every single first down but because it seems to be the case so much that uh that that's it just yeah feels like it and i also think that goes to what brant was saying is uh yesterday is that you know that is hugh freeze and that offense that whole philosophy is kind of dictated around that 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 read run that read play in the middle of the, the run inside play in zone. the inside zone in the middle and so it's that's why they run that so much because everything else is kind of predicated on that but you know eventually you're just going to have to do something with a little more imagination to it, I think, or else you're just going to keep finding yourselves in the second and long trying to make up ground, which then leads to the third and longs. Yeah, uh, I think that, again, I'm not – I try to be aware that, again, there is rush success on first down every now and then, but it is something that when you are still 4-15 in a game against Vanderbilt where, again, I felt the offense was still a little bit better and had more plays – out there to make 
it's like, okay, well, 4 and 15 on third down, but if 9 or 10 of those are third and 7, 8 plus, that means something's going wrong before the third down. And, and Auburn still, even with improved passing, a third and 10 is not conducive to success for many offenses, period. But then certainly Auburn, who still still has its issues throwing the ball, uh, third, third and 10 has become a, uh, a an absolute albatross for Auburn to try to figure out. We're going to head to our first break of the show today. When we come back, we'll go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. <music> Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Let's go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on this afternoon's show. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about the upcoming game that we're going to be that we're going to be playing against Arkansas. And I was looking at our stats, and I think Auburn has a really strong um, adversary against Arkansas, so the stats look good for this weekend's game because I know Arkansas stats are not looking too good in the rankings as well. Yeah, Arkansas has definitely had a tough season. I, I again, would caution people that they – uh, appear to be in a different situation now that they fired their offensive coordinator Dan Enos and they looked much different <laughs> and much more open last week against Florida they had a uh, a much better offensive performance than they did the week prior against Mississippi State they had around 500 yards again put 30 something points up on Florida so again I, I do I do think that they are in an upward trend what will that mean for Saturday we'll see but I do think that they are at least starting to play better Yes, as well, because I was looking at last week, I was looking at some highlights from last week's game when we played against Vanderbilt last weekend, and I was just trying to see if Auburn actually has anybody on the injured list uh, before uh, this weekend's game as well. Uh, yeah, no, most most of their players have now uh, regained health. I know Avery Jones still battling that on the offensive line. I don't recall any significant injuries from the Vanderbilt game on Saturday. I think Auburn... <laughs> relatively speaking, is pretty healthy right now. Okay, so if we're healthy right now, what do you think after this Auburn-Arkansas game, how do you see Auburn actually playing against a strong team in um, in New Mexico State for next week before we start um, on November the 25th when we play against uh, Nick Saban in the Alabama Crimson Tide? 
Yeah, I think Auburn against New Mexico State should be a, a pretty easy one for Auburn. I, I think that as long as they don't sustain some catastrophic injuries, and I mean, it'd have to take a lot of them. I mean, I, I don't. It wouldn't be just one or two. So I, they unless, do have a good quarterback. Yeah, New Mexico State has won more games than UMass earlier this year. I know UMass beat them, and New Mexico State's ended up the better team. But uh, Auburn should not be uh, struggling with New Mexico State, no matter what happens this week against Arkansas. Yes, and so because I will be watching uh, New Mexico State uh, this weekend, and I'm going to be studying their uh, their quarterback and seeing who we're going to stop for uh, next week's game as well. And then I'm going to be watching Alabama and Kentucky, so I'm going to be watching those two games as well. And um, I know we're going to be playing against a a strong team in Alabama for the Iron Bowl, but I think with Peyton Thornton being the quarterback that we need, I think. Auburn would come out with a win on at home in Jordan-Hare Stadium. So I think this is going to be a win and a chance of the bowl game as well. Yeah, we shall see. I know there's going to be a lot of hope, especially if Auburn can continue this winning streak by beating Arkansas. Alabama has certainly figured it out. Though the last three or four weeks they have gotten progressively better. So it's going to be a great challenge, but we know a home Iron Bowl always uh, proves to be a great game, and that will absolutely give Auburn a shot at it. Yes, as well, because I was just uh, reading earlier today about do you think that Alabama has a chance, a 95 or 96 chance, a 95 or 96 chance percent chance of going to an, a bowl game this year under coach Nick Saban as well? Because I've, I've talked to a lot of Alabama fans here in Tuscaloosa and they said otherwise, but I'm just going to say I don't see Alabama going to a bowl game this year as well. Alabama's already bowl eligible, so they're 100% going to go to a bowl game. The only question is, uh, do they end up going to the the New Year's Six or do they go to the playoff, that sort of thing. But they're they're absolutely going to a bowl game. And unless they lose the Iron Bowl and lose to Georgia in the, in the SEC title game, they're at least at a New Year's Six bowl. So they're going to be in a big-time bowl. Uh, and, and, again, they're they're not out of the playoff race yet either. Yeah, so if they go to a New Year's Six Bowl in 2024, who do you think would play against uh, Alabama? I I'm, I'm might as well say like a Notre Dame or Michigan or Penn State, you know, just to name those few teams as well, or just a rematch between Alabama and Texas as well. That would be a really good New Year's Six Bowl as well to see Texas beat them once again as well. Yeah, it's, it's going to be hard to say, so it just depends if they – uh, again, if they end up not in a playoff but in a New Year's Six, you know which which New Year's Six that would be, uh, and then you you look at some other teams in that seven to eight to nine to ten range, uh, and, and you know maybe something like Oregon. I I don't I don't know I I, I don't know yet because uh, we'll have to see how the playoff shakes out. But I but again they they as long as they don't have a disaster at the end of the season, I, I think they'll they'll easily be in at least a New Year's Six. Yes, as well. And then with the Auburn men's basketball game that's going to be played tonight, I was looking at um, I was looking at some people's comments about this game, and they were saying who will I who what will the final score predictions be? And I was just saying that Auburn the final score for this game for tonight will be Auburn thirty four, uh, Baylor twenty. So that would be a really good time, a really good uh, score for Bruce Pearl to actually get a, a huge win against a Big 12 team 
and Baylor. So I think this is going to be like a rematch from last year's March Madness because I think we did play them in the March Madness tournament. And I'm looking, you know, when the season starts, I know these are like pregame, pregame uh, warm-ups for the uh, – for the Auburn Tigers, so I think when we actually start sometime real soon down the line, I think Auburn would make it to a Final Four or a March Madness tournament sometime in 2024 as well. Well, yeah, this this is not an exhibition game. This this game will absolutely count, and Baylor is a good team. They are favored to win just by a couple of points. I, I The score you gave, I think that could be the score sometime in the first half, but, I mean, that's going to be – uh, a little higher scoring than that, so we'll we'll see. I, I think it's a great challenge for Auburn. I'm not sure that I expect them to win, uh, but but I do expect it to be a pretty close game, and uh, I think that would it would mean a lot if Auburn is able to go ahead and win out of the gates against a good team like this. Yes, as well. And then for the um, Auburn Lady Tigers, I think that we're going to play a really good team in Rutgers because I know we we actually did a really good job against uh, Jacksonville State. So this will be their next game that will they'll be played will be against Rutgers because I did see Rutgers, uh, you know, last couple of. Uh, last couple of seasons ago when when they actually played and i think this is going to be a really easy test for auburn and uh coach uh harris to actually show these ladies you know they that they need to slow down and to and just take one game at a time as well because i know the season just started so you know they need to take uh these games very seriously as well and i do see they i i actually see uh johnny harris and Lady Tigers of Auburn actually making it to a Final Four or an NIT this year as well. Yeah, two uh, two different things there. I, I would say that, again, they do have a game before the Rutgers game. They've got Louisiana actually on Thursday inside mm-hmm. of Neville Arena, and then they go to Piscataway to, to, to play the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. So uh, a busy first week for the Tigers with three games in the first week. Yes, because I I did skip over Louisiana uh, State because I know that one is um, that one is going to be an easy game as well. So that's why I skipped over that one so I can get them, uh, you know, fast forward to you know the actual games. I want to actually see just to see how these ladies actually would uh, do this year as well. I gotcha. What else is on your mind? Well, I'm actually going to be uh, looking at some uh, college uh, basketball games uh, earlier, uh, later on today. And then I have, for Tuesday, I have a a couple of college football games I'm going to be looking at before uh, to see who would make it to the uh, Camellia Bowl this year. So I'm just trying to see uh, some games that are going to be looking like a a Camellia Bowl game. you know, matchup as well. So I'm going to be looking at some games like that, and then I'm going to see some games over the weekend as well, and uh, seeing some some uh, new games as well. I'm I actually have one that I'm going to be watching in Alabama A&M and um, Bethune Cookman, which is one of the oldest classic rivalries in the HBCU, um, you know, rivalry as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna actually see that one uh, this weekend as well. All right, yeah, a lot of good stuff there. Yes, and then I do have some NFL uh, games I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching uh, the New England Patriots, so I'm going to see how they're going to do because I know it's going to be an early morning game. Uh, I think they're playing – 
uh, I think they're playing in uh, Germany, so uh, that's going to be a really good uh, game that I'm going to be watching as well, and I'm going to see if uh, if they're looking like a Super Bowl contender as well. Yeah, unfortunately enough of the season has passed that we can safely say the Patriots are not a Super Bowl contender this year. They've been struggling out to a 2-6 and six record, and uh, I don't think they'll be a playoff team this year. So uh, they've got a lot of questions to answer. They've certainly been struggling. They'll face the Colts, who are not in a great position, but also without their starting quarterback, Anthony Richardson. So I think it'll be a very competitive game, but I, I don't think either of those teams are bound for, for the playoffs this year. Yeah, so when when the actual playoff uh, season starts, I'm looking at like the Baltimore Ravens being the Super Bowl contender because I think uh, the Baltimore Ravens ain't going to look good this weekend, so I'm not quite sure how their quarterback is going to look. And then I'm looking at like Joe Burrow and seeing if he's going to make it to a Super Bowl. But other people were saying, you know, yesterday they were asking me, do you do I think that the Kansas City Chiefs will make it back to the Super Bowl? And I told them, no, it, this it won't be uh, the Kansas City Chiefs' year to go back to back Super Bowls as well. Yeah, we shall see. I know Kansas City's still one of the best records in the NFL, so they're they're definitely be hanging around. But I know there's a lot of teams nipping on their heels in the AFC. Yes, as well, and then I'm going to be seeing how my Dallas Cowboys will bounce back from that huge loss against the Philadelphia Eagles, because I know we do play uh, the New York the New York Giants, so I think that's going to be a really tough test for uh, Dak Prescott and Mark and Michael Parsons. So I'm just going to see how things are going to um, settle for um, you know for Mike McCarthy as well, and seeing if we're going to win against. Uh, the New York Giants as well. Yeah, that was a dramatic loss for Dallas. It looked like they were out of it and then came back and, and had a real shot at the end, but uh, kicked themselves a, a couple of times and, and fell just short, but it was a very competitive game. Well, James, we about have to let you go. Any final thoughts for us today? Well, the only final thoughts I actually have to say is I would love to see Auburn beat Baylor tonight, and I would love to see the uh, Auburn Lady Tigers actually take on uh, Louisiana State. And um, I'll probably uh, see what uh, Johnny Harris is actually going to say. So I hope they have a really good season this year. Yes, sir. And, again, we will have Coach Johnny Harris coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. So uh, really excited about it. I appreciate your phone call today, James. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. Talk to you all guys on tomorrow. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to head to our next break. Back with more sports call right after this. call into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm this is former auburn football player danny skutak and you are listening to the abby award-winning sports call auburn
Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday edition of the program. Let's go right back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up on the program, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, it's a good Tuesday afternoon, guys. Uh, good afternoon to you, Ryan, and uh, Tom, and... Uh... Books, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, let's get to it, guys. Uh, first, I want to do a shout out to uh, Matt and to James for being the passionate and really loyal Auburn fans uh, that, uh, that they outdo me. So I just wanted to uh, tell them I appreciate their getting on the uh, Sports Call show and hearing their comments. All right, guys, I saw something oddly interesting uh, on the uh, Vegas line today about our basketball game. The original line came out open. Uh, with Baylor being favored by one and a half, it is now Auburn favored by one and a half. What gives, guys? Uh, so I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know if there's a Baylor player that is out or if the line opened and, again, the doubt of Aiden Holloway and Janai Broom's status dictated what that line opened like since Holloway had been out for the last week and then uh, Broom – uh, was was obviously injured in the exhibition last week, and then they were ruled to be playing yesterday by by Coach Pearl. So I I don't know if it would be that. Usually when it when it flips by three to four points, there that is usually some sort of injury concern or lack of concern. So uh, without knowing the full situation for Baylor, I would imagine that uh, that that Broom and Hallway news might have something to do with it. Mm. Well, uh, to add more intrigue to this. Uh, I get uh, the emails, uh, just try to get them, in fact, from uh, Sports Ranking. Uh, they do their basketball, of course, uh, predictions. And they actually have us as a 56% chance of winning tonight's game against Baylor. Um, and I mentioned to you yesterday, guys, I don't know if you recall, that my son says we're going to take the woodshed uh, by Baylor. Um, but, yeah, I'm sorry, they, they say we have a 53% chance uh, of winning. And here's what their prediction is for the entire season for Auburn, believe it or not, because I don't even know how can they, they do this, but they give us a 78% chance of making the NCAA tournament. And they're projecting us to be seeded uh, number five seed. said, okay. Uh, they also give us a 34% chance to make the Sweet 16 and a 10% chance to reach the Final Four. They project our final record as being 21-9 and nine overall, and 11 7 in the SEC. Guys, your comments, thoughts, takes? Yeah, I, I think for the season, I think that would be a, a pretty solid season. I think that would be maybe on the better end of expectations or just slightly above average expectations. Because, I mean, what was it, 30 something percent for Sweet 16? Um, you know, that, that the tournament stuff always gets hard to predict without any brackets, without any knowledge of anything because. There's so many upsets to begin with, but what I would say is that if they are able to uh, be a five seed in the tournament, then that puts them as a top 20 team on the season. So that would be uh, a better season than last year. It would be better than their preseason ranking suggests. And so I think that they will achieve uh, a lot of nice things if they're able to, to end up on that five line by the end of the year. So I would definitely take that projection I'm I'm not sure if that's exactly what my projection is for the year, but 
again, I, I, I think that would end up being a pretty decent outcome. Okay. All right. And uh, I didn't know until I read 247 Sports that uh, Coach Pearl is 9-0 and in his career here at Auburn uh, for uh, game openers in basketball. But were you guys aware that he is that, that good, 9-0? and Yeah, I mean, I, I would have figured that just because they don't ever play teams like this or they hardly ever play teams like this. I mean, they're usually playing, uh, you know, get I don't want to say warm-up games, but teams that you would expect an SEC team to beat. So there's there's not been very many that ha- have actually opened up against the team, the quality of Baylor. So I don't really see that as being – uh, too relevant without having a lot of similar matchups. Okay, so their lies and damn lies and their statistics. Uh, okay, so the uh, the game tonight the total is one forty seven and a half. Uh, what do you guys think? Problems to have a legitimate chance of winning this game? Do they need to have a low scoring game, or should they go over that total? Say that total one more time. Sure, the, the total is one forty seven and a half according to Vegas. So for Auburn to have a given chance of winning this game, uh, should this be a low-scoring game, or should it be over that total of 147.5? Yeah, I tell you what. So that would be you know a 75-72 type of game, 74-73, something in there. I, I would be a little surprised on a neutral floor if we saw it much higher. I think Auburn in general is going to want to play higher-scoring games this year as opposed to the last year where they were – Definitely more of a defensive team that struggled to shoot the ball efficiently. They didn't want as much up tempo. They didn't want uh, they didn't want higher scoring stuff. I think this year it'll lean more towards higher scoring. But in the first game, I just have I have some unknowns. I I I, I want to see I, again. Baylor did have a good team last year. They were a tournament team. Uh, they finished pretty highly in the AP poll. But they also have a lot of different players than than last year they have a couple of returning guys but really uh the, the guys that did damage for them are different they have some transfers so it's kind of hard to qualify quantify exactly what they're going to be this year too uh although again preseason top 25 it certainly would be uh, a big win for auburn so yeah i mean i think that score range is probably where it's going to end up i would be a little surprised to see 80s right out of the gate especially the way auburn shot from distance in the exhibition, they're not going to be able to make thirty, you know, thirty-five, forty free throw attempts in this game. So, I I, I would think that that is a fair over under, and I I wouldn't I I would I would I could see it going either way. Okay, fair enough. Uh, obviously, yeah, I think they may have a legitimate chance of uh, scoring a lot of points. You know, at least if I'm going by what Nathan King and I think uh, maybe Christian Clemente have been saying that during practice they've just been you know, shooting lights out, especially Denver Jones, some other people uh, with three-pointers. So um, this could be, to me, a much more higher-scoring offense we had last year. Agree? Yeah, I think it's going to need to be, too. And, I, again, I, I think that – I don't think they'll struggle the way they did in game one and in the exhibition from three. I don't think it'll be that, that poor. So I think that – Aiden Hallway will provide something there. I do think Chad Baker Mazzara will end up shooting the ball well, uh, but 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 yeah, no, I mean that's going to be something to monitor this year is in terms of shooting. And then if they, if they don't shoot well, then you're asking, okay, who can get buckets around the rim? Who can drive? You know, Janai Broom can get back to the basket buckets down low. Uh, I really liked what I saw from Chad Baker Mazzara in Game One, but again, you're you're you got to hold some of that with grains of salt against AUM. 
Uh, so I, I want to see who are the more of the drivers on this team. Uh, but otherwise, I do think they'll shoot the three better. Okay. Moving on to football, guys. And, uh, Tom, yes. I, uh, I, I mean, I, I was probably nodding my head when you was talking about, you know, he runs up the middle. Uh, they're so darn, you know, just uh, by now, I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've started playing the game in the past three, uh, past three games we've played on Saturdays, and that is a drinking game. Okay. Uh, and so the drinking game involves that every time that we run smack in the middle and we do it again, I take a drink. You'll, you'd end and up being not, very drunk by the end of the game. Well, I'm not, I'm not thirsty, I'll tell you that. Uh, and in addition to that, while I'm taking a drink, I'm yelling, don't do it again. And they do, do it, it again. again. Can you tell me, guys, has anyone asked Freeze what in the world are they thinking? How come they continue to do something that apparently hadn't gotten squat? I, I don't know that anybody's necessarily asked him exactly like that, but I, it's like we talked about yesterday, is, is that inside zone uh, running, that every that offense is based around that. That's kind of the, the bread and butter, and they're going to keep trying to run that, hoping that they can either bust it loose or, or use it to open something else up. But, yeah, man, it, it, it's frustrating when you see it on first down, run up the middle, get stuff, second down, run up the middle, get stuff, maybe a holding and then penalty. We have third and and then you're yeah, third and ten with a passing offense that is, you know, hit and miss at best. So yeah. Okay. I don't understand um, it. I, I don't get it. I, I'm 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 not. Uh, I'm, I'm believe me. I'm not going through a uh, uh, a lack of a, uh, a drinking spell. So about Mr. Hunter, guys. This comes from Sports Illustrated. This is how good he has become, and I'm glad he's finally, I think, reaching his peak here. He has had. 108 carries, rushing attempts, okay? Now, I'm wrenching that because I didn't know he was this good. Now, he has found pay dirt seven times from those 108 rushing attempts. That's 6.5% of the time he scores a touchdown. Now, you may think, well, that's not very much. Well, hold on, my friend. Yes, it is, because the touchdown leader is the old Miss Rebels running back, Crenshaw Judkins, who has had 12 scores, but he's had – those scores from 169 carries, and his percentage is 7.1. Now think about that. Yeah, that's how good actually Jaquez Hunter has become. Yeah, I mean the last three weeks have obviously really changed the dynamic of the season. He had been no doubt uh, below par until the the Mississippi schools, and the, the last three weeks he's played well. And he's fourth in rushing averages among the SC running backs. Uh, he's averaging 5.9 yards uh, per carry. Again, and again, it was when we talked about it about three weeks ago, it was in the upper threes. I mean, it, it has been an incredibly different three weeks. So, I, again, I, I, I certainly commend him for turning around the season. And again, they've, they've had several explosive plays with them. I still am going to be very curious to see what the short yardage situations look like. But. Uh, yeah, no, he's played much better. So do you explain that guy's due to improvement by, you know, Mr. Jaquez Hunter, or is it the offensive line, or is it both? Well, I think that Hugh Freeze singled out Jarquez Hunter being more patient and letting blocking developing. And, and he said early in the season, just going 100 miles per hour, just, just taking everything fast, and he's kind of been a little bit more patient and, and let uh, let the guys get down the field a little bit. So, And I think you saw that a little bit on that at least that first explosive run, really if not both of them, 
kind of a little bit slower once he gets the ball, then kind of speeding up as he hits the hole and, and making a, a little weave or two. So uh, I, I think that some of it has really been patient on his part. I do think the line's doing in general a little bit better job. And I also think that as Auburn has started to pass a little bit more, it's just that they're, they're having more conducive situations to success. And, 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 again, that's when you have a throwing threat, you kind of make the defense have to respect the more balanced aspect. Yeah. As much as I've loved our defense since they've really come along, I was really um, taken back by this stat. I didn't know that our defense was 12th in the SEC when it comes to defending the run. Yeah, and I wouldn't have maybe guessed that either. Um, I, I, the, why is that? Why is that bad? I mean, how could it be that atrocious? Well, it, it doesn't feel that way. I, I would say that, uh, you know, I, I think that they played a really good, uh, did a really good job early in the season with it. I think that they, overall, and when I recall the last few weeks. Uh, again, I, I, I don't know if maybe the whole league's doing a pretty good job on it because I think that as we went over early, uh, a lot of teams in the league are not rushing the ball as well this year. So, I mean, that would lend itself to saying a lot of teams are defending the run a little bit better. I don't think it's nearly as bad of a rush defense as it was last year. I think it's been been pretty respectable at times. There's not been a whole lot of situations where they've not come up with it. You know, maybe the LSU game skewed things for them because – uh, they didn't do anything well against LSU, and LSU did run very effectively. But I feel like in the other important games, Auburn's done a pretty good job there. Okay. Well, here's what I'm looking for for Saturday. Quarter Sat Tiger, we need to hold Arkansas to less uh, to under 200 yards. We do that, then we have an 80, I think it's an 86% chance of winning the game. Under 200 yards total or rushing? Under 200 yards rushing. Rushing. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was about to say, that makes more sense. Yeah. Because we've been allowing that much. Uh, among the power five teams that we've lost to. Gotcha. Well, and again, I think LSU would probably be a lot of that, yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on real quickly, guys. Yeah, last uh, thing for Steven, we're going to run out of time for the hour. Yep. Did you know, maybe not because I didn't know, that the NFL is strongly uh, very much looking to maybe have an NFL team in Europe, like maybe Germany? Uh, I, I know that they have certainly – been intrigued by that idea trying to expand the footprint right i I think that that is something that they definitely look into from time to time that's why they've started playing some germany games in the first place after playing that london game for so long so yeah i think it's at least uh, uh, if not a desire it's at least on their radar yeah well i didn't know that uh kansas city's owner uh apparently also owns a soccer team and apparently he's friends with a soccer team in Europe who affiliated, I guess, with Germany. Uh, so I said, wow, that's uh, pretty interesting. And also, New England Patriots apparently have a strong following uh, in Europe as well. Uh, in fact, uh, since here they have um, a, a bunch of uh, places in Germany who are following uh, the New England Patriots. Um, and this was a real kicker. Uh, 3.6 million Germans say they are avid NFL fans. That's 25% more than in Britain. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that was pretty interesting. Okay. That's all I got for today, guys, for use of piece of information. Uh, with that said, you know, have a safe afternoon and evening, and, gee, uh, maybe we might uh, actually pull this game out and see what it means, right? Yes, sir.
All right, guys. Have a safe afternoon, and uh, War Eagle to you. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time for hour number one. Coming up in hour number two, more your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Also at 415, Johnny Harris, the Auburn women's basketball coach, will join us to talk about the women's basketball season and their victory over Jacksonville State last night. And a little bit later, we'll have some Bruce Pearl audio for you. Thoughts on the Auburn-Baylor game coming up tonight and the men's side of things. Also, more football ahead. Stay tuned. More sports call after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday. Coming up in about 10 minutes. Auburn women's basketball coach Johnny Harris will be joining us to talk about the 2023-24 season and Auburn's win last night inside of Neville Arena against Jacksonville State. If you watched that game on the SEC Network Plus, you heard Mr. J.J. Jackson on the call of that one. And we want to wish J.J., the former host of this program, a very happy birthday today. Happy birthday, J.J., if you're Uh, listening. Absolutely. Uh, J.J., Obviously, continues to be a big part of my life, our lives, and and uh, really excited for what he's doing in uh, in a bunch of different forms and fashions of, of career and play by play and that sort of thing. And so, uh, certainly appreciate my uh, my friendship with JJ, and uh, hope he's having a great day. And figure I'm going to see him a little bit later. So, uh, happy birthday to JJ Jackson, the former host of this show. Uh, and, of course, we used to do that birthday segment. We will be uh, doing birthdays and sports again in the not-too-distant future, another part of the show. Uh, as we continue on again with Coach Harris coming up in a few minutes, we'll have re-air of an interview we had last week with Coach Bruce Pearl. That will come up in the 5 o'clock hour. Again, the, the basketball side of things underway now, officially with, with last night's action. You had one stunner. In college basketball, where you had number four Michigan State go down to James Madison. I think Brooks mentioned in the open the stunner in the women's college basketball. Number one South Carolina or number one LSU lost to Colorado. Uh, so you you had a couple of, of games that teams needed to pay a little closer attention to, uh, and uh, did not go very well. And those upset type of things happened. And Louisville, who had just an awful year last year, 
narrowly escaped UMBC. I think it was like 94-93 in Louisville. So you just never know when one of those teams will come up and, and, and scare you like that. So I'll be good to talk to these coaches about that type of thing and, and getting ready for the season. But, again, Auburn women's basketball had no problem last night. In the few minutes before we have uh, to, to talk to Coach Harris, uh, we'll bring up some of these football games from this past weekend that we have not really gotten into. That Alabama LSU game certainly comes to mind. I know Luke from Alex City called in about that one yesterday. Uh, but again, a high scoring game, which was definitely anticipated given the offenses uh, that there was had and then the lack of defense that LSU plays this year. Milrow had a really good game. Jane Daniels was having a really great game until he got concussed there early fourth quarter. Uh, but again, Alabama has continued to check the boxes of improvement. And uh, it's going to be Alabama. I mean, it's not official. They're, they still have to win one more, and and uh, Georgia's still got to win one more technically, I think. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and break the news. It's going to be Alabama and Georgia in the <laughs> SEC title game again. And, uh, again, they, they continue on. Yeah. Um, I, 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 hate, I hate to say I was right, but so far I've been right. Uh, when when Alabama lost that game early in the season and then looked really, really bad against South Florida, uh, everybody was talking. I mean, all you had to do is listen to about five minutes of the Paul Feinbaum show, and Bama's done. Dynasty's over. Nick Saban's over. It's over. It's over. It's over. The sky is falling. And I sat here on this show and said, no, it's not. Do not count them out. They are going to get better. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be just fine. And here we are. They are most likely going to be playing for the West. Very good chance if they do win out that they could be in the playoffs. So, yes, like I said, not going anywhere. Um, and, and, yeah, they have, they have continued to get better and better and better. That game, that game against LSU, um, man alive. Jalen Milrow was impressive. He, now, here's my caveat with that: um, LSU's defense is already really was already really bad, and they were missing several guys from their secondary and their nose guard. Was it? I know it was a guy from their defensive line. Was it the nose they were missing? Yeah, it was someone up front. I don't somebody up front. So it was already a very bad LSU defense, and then they went against Alabama with a very bad and now depleted defense. So there is that. However, Jalen Milrow, the guy who got benched early in the season, comes out, he throws for 219 yards, he rushes for 155 and four touchdowns. Um, He looked comfortable. He had all the moves going. He had LSU confused. Uh, you just couldn't tell whether he was going to try to throw it or run it. Uh, it was, it was a pretty masterful performance by Jalen Milrow against uh, against that LSU defense. Now, can Jalen Milrow repeat this as you get you know against defenses that are going to be at least a little bit better than LSU's? We'll see. But again, in that game, Milrow looked good. And then, of course, Jane Daniels also looked very good, uh, throwing for 219 and two touchdowns. And then he also rushed for 163 and a touchdown. So Jaden Daniels did his thing. The one big thing that Jaden Daniels have when you look at his, his, his stat line, though, is there's that one interception. It was a ball that got tipped at the line of scrimmage and picked off. 
And that pretty much decided that game because Bama had scored, and this was one of those that was a back and forth. LSU would score, Bama would score. LSU would score, Bama would score. And it was who is going to make the first stop, who's going to make the first mistake on offense, and who's going to give somebody that repeat touchdown instead of the back and forth. And it was a ball tipped at the line of scrimmage. Bama intercepts it. They promptly go down. They score a touchdown for their back-to-back touches. That ends up being the game. And then it wasn't too long after that, Jalen Daniels catches a, a, a face full of defender and is concussed sitting in the tent. And Garrett Nussmeyer is out there trying to somehow do something. And, of course, when you go from Jaden Daniels to Garrett Nussmeyer, you're in trouble. Yeah. And that was it. But uh, that one interception really sp- – turned the scope of that game around into Bama's favor in a big way. And then once Jaden Daniels got knocked out of the game, it, it was – That was the it, knockout. That yeah, was it, literally. So, um, but a, but an entertaining game up until the last little bit of that when you just knew that LSU was dead in the water and Bama just had it in, in – you know, it was, it was Bama's game to take. But, man, yeah, Milrow looked good. Um uh, it, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But Bama looked impressive, and they 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 continue to improve as the season has gone on. And like I said, they weren't going anywhere. I I didn't have a doubt in my mind that they were still going to be contenders once you got here. They, I just didn't see any way that they were going to fall flat on their face. Yeah, I'm not getting, and unfortunately, don't have to pick it for another three weeks. Wish I didn't have to pick it all, but. Uh, I don't have a great feel for the Georgia-Alabama game right now that's that's impending because I, I want to see Georgia play Ole Miss because then right. I can really feel that's a good team. Uh, I can compare it to what Alabama did. Now, granted, Alabama played them at a time where it was a little more volatile for Alabama on offense than it is now. But, I mean, Alabama shut down Ole Miss's offense. Mm-hmm. So can Georgia duplicate that uh, in Athens? I, I think it's definitely doable. Uh that part of it is what I'm interesting this, interested to see this coming weekend and, and how it pretends to uh, what would ultimately be the SEC title game. Yeah. Uh, Bama plays at Kentucky. Yes. Correct. See, I'm kind of more intrigued with that one because I, I honestly think Georgia is going to blister Ole Miss. So why would you think that Ole Miss is going to have a less of a shot than Kentucky? I, I the home field advantage is what I'm looking at with that. That's at why Kroger I, Field. Well, I'm just saying, but just, well, I know you're. So Ryan's squinting. Kentucky's at me. not a very good football. No, no, no. Team. That's I, why I'm at. No, no, no. I I get that. Uh, so for those that can see, Ryan's yeah sitting across from me and he's like squinting at me like, where are you going with this? Um. Are you so, having Iron Bowl thoughts, but early? I mean, like, it would... no, 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 not at all. Um, no, I think Alabama wins this game. I, I, I think Alabama handles Kentucky. I'm not going yeah. there. I'm still sticking to my guns that I, that I think Auburn beats Alabama in the Iron Bowl. I, I'm still sticking to my guns there because so far my predictions for the season with Auburn have gone exactly the way I said they were going to go. I said Auburn, just to be clear. I said Auburn loses to Arkansas. So here we go. We'll see right. if we'll see if everything that I've said keeps holding true. Um, I'm interested to see. Uh, you know, Alabama comes off of such a hard, physical, emotional game at home against LSU. Can they carry that over? Yes, they are better than Kentucky. Yes, Kentucky is, is that atmosphere. It's not. 
going into Death Valley. It's not going into Neyland. It's sure as heck not going into Jordan-Hare Stadium. However, you're coming off an emotional game. Can you carry that over onto the road? We'll, we'll see. Talk, we'll talk more about it a little bit later. We are out of time for this segment, though. Coach Johnny Harris of Auburn Women's Basketball coming up in just a couple minutes. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. And we are now pleased to go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line and we welcome on head Auburn women's basketball coach Johnny Harris, kind enough to take some time out of her busy schedule to chat with us on this Tuesday. Coach Harris, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you? I'm good. How are you? War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. We're, we're doing quite well. And, of course, fresh off the Tigers' first game of the season, a victorious effort against Jacksonville State. We'll get into that game in a little bit, Coach. But first, let's just talk about some big-picture stuff as we head into the 2023-24 season. Again, this time period in college basketball ever – ever rampant with transfer portal and so much roster acquisition, that sort of stuff. You you brought in a bunch of experienced players with Power 5 experience to your club this year. Talk about a couple of those young women that are going to end up making an impact for your team this year. You know, um, one of the portal kids is Taylor Collins, who, um, you know, she, she's just getting back. She's, she had a little injury there and and so she's she's been back less than a week but she is um she's a player that really fit our system she's a monster rebounder um she, she's a really good defender she did not have a great showing uh, last night but i'm really confident really high on Taylor. she's been looking really good in practice like i said she just got back but um another one is um uh, as far as transfers would be um, Kiana Gaines, and then we also have um, Jemaya Mingo Young, who played for me as a freshman at uh, Mississippi State, and just she has already brought just so much toughness and um, just that she has a winning mentality, a championship mentality. So I just um, I really love that kid. Um, all, all of them. I, I love coaching this team. This team is, um, you know, really coachable. They they take adjustments, um, and you can just tell that they really want it. So, uh, but those are those are the three transfers, and then we have two JUCO All Americans in here, and Celia Sunbane, and then McKenna Eddings. Both of those kids can can score. They they're long. They're um, athletic. They fit our system. They can defend. They get their hands on a lot of balls. So um, those are the transfers that we brought in, and I'm I'm really really uh, excited about them. Certainly sounds like a good group and kind of a full circle moment there uh, too with Jemiah Mingo Young, as you said, uh, coached her in the past and went on. She went on to Alabama. You went on obviously here to be the head coach at Auburn, and then kind of a full circle moment here. 
uh, this season. Yeah. Certainly very cool. I want to ask you about, because I was watching the game last night, uh, then one of your freshmen as we continue to look at this roster, Savannah Scott, who is uh-huh. obviously a, a big player down low for you, having to re- replace a really good player in Aisha Koulibaly from last year. But Savannah Scott had a very productive night against Jacksonville State last night. Just talk about what she can, kind of impact she can bring as a freshman, as somebody that's completely new here to college basketball, and, and just your expectations for her throughout this year. Yeah, so she she comes from a really good um, program, both high school and AAU. Her basketball IQ is really high, um, but she is a big who has really good hands and really good footwork. Um, and I I think as the season uh, evolves, she's gonna be she's gonna be more of an impact player. She's a she made an impact last night. Uh, she don't really take bad shots. If she get it in and she don't feel like she can she can uh, score right there, she'll kick it back out. She's a really good passer, uh, but she's also a pretty good finisher, and she's a really good rebounder. So I'm uh, really looking forward to her. As the speed, as she get used to the speed of the game, I think that kid's just going to be, um, you know, she, she's going to get more, uh, more uh, she's going to get better. Well, and Coach, you, you've you've mentioned uh, a freshman, and we've mentioned some of the transfer portal uh, ladies coming in and junior college. Uh, everybody knows in, in SEC women's basketball, LSU, South Carolina, everybody knows the history of Tennessee. But what is your pitch? What do you pitch to these ladies to bring them to Auburn as, as this is the place that you want to come and, ma- and make this program something, to, something special? You know, I talk about – Auburn. I talk about the community. I talk about, you know, the people of Auburn. But I also talk about the history of women's basketball. You know, it's been successful here. And, um, you know, it's, it's, in a, it's a great place. Um, I, and I also, the style of play. I feel like our style of play, so we recruit players that fit our style of play. And so when you put all of that together, uh, you know, you have kids that are, uh, that are tough, that are not afraid to go up against, you know, those other players. And I've won, you know, I told my team, I've won a lot of championships, won a lot of games with just tough, physical, aggressive, hard-nosed kids. Going up against a lot of uh, all Americans, uh, you know, a, a lot of higher ranked kids. So that part at this point uh, of um, our rebuild, um, our rise, we don't we don't worry about the numbers as much as we worry about kids that fit, as much as we worry about the toughness, um, them buying in, fitting into the Auburn coach culture. Um, that you know, that's really what we sell. Coach, uh, you know, when we go back to the summer now, you, we, we've talked about all your newcomers in here. Uh, you guys got a chance to take the overseas trip, which is allowed by the NCAA every few years. Y'all went to Paris, France, had a few games over there. When you've got a roster of, of, of ladies that are really, you know, new and you're, you're trying to gel a team, how big is that, uh, that trip going into the season? Uh, it was really big. Um, for one, it was big for the newcomers. You know, I haven't talked about my new. I mean, my um, returning players. Right. You know, my for my returning players, they didn't get um, 
they didn't have a lot of experience with the exception of uh, three of them. So that trip was big for the returning players as well. And for them to come in and buy into what we were doing, they stayed the course. They want to see Auburn get back to the tournament. Um, and that's, that's why they stayed here. They helped us recruit this group that we have coming in. So to be able to just mesh them all together, gel them all together, work on that chemistry, um, it, was, it was really big for, for this program. We didn't want to take a step back. We are, um, you know, we wanted to take a step forward, and I think that trip allows us to do that. And, Coach, when we look at this upcoming non-conference schedule, obviously you girls are, are starting off with a, a a pretty robust first week when you talk about uh, a three-game week to open up the season and culminating in a trip to New Jersey at the end of this week. Uh, but but also just throughout the non-conference play, you play Clemson, who was a, a, a great opponent in the WNIT last year in a, in a very close matchup, got some other major conference teams. Just what do you think of the non-conference slate for you this year? We wanted to challenge our team because if you want to compete in the SEC, and and to be honest with you, we want to compete in the SEC. In order to do that, you have to compete in and you have to have these kids ready. And with us having so many new ones, um, I thought it was really important for us to have a challenging schedule. So we don't have any easy games. Uh, All of our games, um, I wanted to be able to challenge them. I wanted to be able to uh, make sure they're ready um, when this SEC uh, season come around. So, Coach, you got one regular season game under your, your belt, and then you had two exhibition games leading into it. What's the biggest takeaway from your team now that you've seen them on, in live action after you got that fall camp underway? Well, they're, they, they are tough. We're still a work in progress, but we are tough. Um, we're going to get after you. Um, there's no quitting this team. Um, and, and they take coaching. So when I have to make adjustments, they're able to do that. And for this to be a team of a bunch of new players, nine new players, and some that are playing that didn't get a lot of minutes last year, this was um, that was a, a big uh, emphasis. You know, how are they going to be able to adjust? And, and, you know, I'm having to adjust some, too, because these players are new. So I want to make sure I put them in a position to be successful. So uh, for me to be able to do that and, and to see uh, so soon that I'm able to do that is really, really helpful. We, we will get after you. We're going to turn you over. I felt like the first couple of games we were playing really fast but in a hurry. I want to play fast, but I don't want to play in a hurry. We kind of, we addressed that, and it was so much better in the last ball game. So, and that starts with Marshawn Bostic. You know, Marshawn has one speed, and that's fast. Well, maybe two, fast and faster. <laughs> but, but um, for her to be able to adjust, you know, through conversations we had, through watching film with her, and she wants to do what I, you know, what I ask. She wants to lead this team. So I felt like in this last ball game, you could really see the difference. You could really see her still pushing the ball, but getting better, getting us better look instead of just pushing it down there and you know giving it to anybody. She was getting the ball to the right place at the right time. So that's um, that's been you know one of the biggest ones. I, I think we're 
really good on the boards, um, and that can always be better. Uh, one of the things that we need to work on is our um, penetration. We, we allow a lot of penetration, but when you're pressuring the ball as much as we do, that's the heartache <laughs> that you get. So uh, we're working on keeping the ball in front of us, but still pressing it, and we're working on um, our our help side defense. So once we can, you know, that that's going to be a work in progress. That that comes with them playing together longer, knowing the personnel, knowing each other, knowing who they need to help and, you know, who can pretty much hold their own. And I just think this will it, it'll get better and better. Hey, Coach, my question for you, and this is more kind of a curiosity question. Uh, we all saw what happened uh, – the other night, Colorado knocking off LSU, an LSU team that uh, defending champion, I think most people thought it seemed like was just this unbeatable force. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you use that type of game as a motivation with, with your ladies of saying, hey, look, if you, like you said, get after it, be fast, do what I'm telling you to do and buy into this and you can do that. Is that type of thing something that you can use to motivate when you see a team like LSU, they can be knocked off by a team that plays to the level that you expect? Absolutely, but I also use our history. You know, I've I've been part of teams that have won a national championship that didn't have all American. I mean, I think we had one all American on our team, right. and you know, we we played against teams with you know seven, eight, nine, and we were able to knock them off because we were tougher, we were more physical, we weren't afraid. Um, played you know Mississippi State. We just had tough hard-nosed, physical, aggressive players that wanted to do things right. They were up the line. They pressured the ball. They, you know, they made sure they were in help. They were helping their teammates out. They have really great chemistry. Uh, and I think one of the one of the two years that we played for a national championship on that team, we had one All-American. And then the – yeah, we had one All-American that year. And she became an All-American at the Final Four. So, you know, we built that program on toughness, and that's what our mantra is. That's why our mantra is tough. We use tough all the time. So I kind of talk to our players about that anyway, but that game just kind of proved my point. Talking to Coach Johnny Harris today on Sports Call. Final question for you, Coach, and we'll let you go. As you look at the season as a whole, and sometimes this could be uh, a, a postseason success marker or a statistic or just how your team, what the mentality is, what's the most important goal that you have for your team this year? Um, the most important goal for us this year is to continue to get better and to be competitive night in and night out. Um, I, I think if we if we do that, um, we my, my team have a great mindset. They're supportive of each other. Um, they push each other. Uh, so if they continue to get better and um, they're competitive night in and night out, anything can happen. Coach Johnny Harris joining us today on Sports Girl. Coach, as always, uh, we certainly appreciate the time with you today. We wish you well this season. We're looking forward to watching your squad. Again, I know it's a busy week to start off the season with, but we're really excited to watch uh, another year on the Plains with you, Coach. And, uh, again, all the best year this year. 
Thank you. I appreciate y'all for having me and what you do for women's basketball. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. War Eagle. Absolutely. Absolutely. War, Eagle, Coach. War Eagle. That is Coach Johnny Harris, head women's basketball coach of Auburn University, joining us today on Sports Call. And again, really appreciate the time with Coach Harris as she has a very busy week with, again, three Auburn women's basketball games out of the gate this week. We're going to take our next time out. Back with more Sports Call right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, and that would be a good place to go to check out our interview that we just had with Auburn women's basketball coach Johnny Harris. Coach Harris, again, uh, kind enough to take some time out of her day uh, to, to talk to us a little bit there as Tigers were victorious in their opener at Neville Arena last night against Jacksonville State. Mentioned they got Louisiana tomorrow. Then a trip up to Piscataway to take on Rutgers on Sunday. So, Again, obviously, there's a lot of top 25 matchups and big matchups ahead for Auburn in SEC play. But again, playing uh, the likes of Power Five competition, even you know UCF's on that schedule. That's now a Big 12 team, as I mentioned uh, with Coach Harris. Got Clemson. Uh, that was where Auburn season did end in a narrow defeat in South Carolina last year in the second round of the WNIT. So. Uh, Auburn playing not only their robust conference schedule, but getting out there and have a, a good handful or two of tough n- matchups in the non-conference. So, again, really appreciate Coach Harris for joining us and excited to see what year three lo- looks like on the Plains. All right, so before the Coach Harris interview, we were about to get into it, I think. I don't know. We were about to at least have a stir. I don't know. Maybe not a disagreement. But Tom was talking a little bit about uh, – you're more interested to see Alabama versus Kentucky than yeah. Georgia versus Ole Miss. Yeah. And I just think that's the that's not a common opinion this week. <laughs> but, no, but, no. There is only one fan base in this country that is looking forward to that game. One. That's right. right there's two in that, involved right, in that game, but, but there's but only not. one that's looking forward to right. it. So, but again, and I, I'll repeat what I said. I, I just – I think – I, I want to see the I want to see the home field advantage there. Yeah, I get it. It's it's at Kentucky. They are they're not as good as they have been in the last couple of years. They have really struggled. But Tom, Tom, Tom. Before you go any further, do you want to see the home field advantage? Go down to Dean Road. You'll no, see no. the home field advantage. No. So again, like I was saying, I am I am very all right. So first of all, I I think the Ole Miss Georgia game. Uh, the reason I say. Not interested in that one is because I think Georgia's going to blow them out. I, I just I'm not sold on Ole Miss. I and them going into Athens, I just I I don't see that. I think Georgia runs away with that one. Where I'm curious with Bama at Kentucky is can Bama keep their momentum going 
coming off this emotional game at home, a very high-scoring game, a game where you know it feels like they're starting to get everything clicking. Can they now go on the road and keep that same thing going? That's difficult to do. The, as bad as as bad as Kentucky is, or as much as you may say no home field advantage there, that is one of those that can sometimes be a trap game for you when you go on the road against a lesser op- opponent. You've got other bigger things that maybe you're looking forward to, and you just came off a very emotional, hard-fought win, physical hard-fought win. This is that kind of typical trap game type thing that some folks fall into. Does Alabama fall into that trap? No, I don't think they do. I, I really don't. But I'm curious to see. I th- I think there is more trap opportunity of Bama at Kentucky than I think there is a trap of Ole Miss sneaking up and beating Georgia. So that's why I'm more curious to see. Does, does Bama fall into that trap, or do they just keep on rolling through? Now, personally, I think they roll on through, but we'll see. Do you want to go or me? I, I yeah. was going to say, I've got to make a stop at uh, Kentucky's home field advantage tonight going home. So I'll tell you which one's going to be more robust. There's the, <laughs> the lady that I'm fighting for the last loaf of bread or the uh, the Kentucky <laughs> linebackers. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, I – I understand the point. Yes. Okay. As long as you understand. But, <laughs> but when has Alabama ever been trapped like that? Oh, Under no, Nick no. Saban, right? I mean, sure. Like you can count on one uh, hand, maybe been in a fourteen few, years. Yeah, I mean, there's been a few. I mean, you go to South. They get beat at South Carolina that one year. South Carolina was. They were a top twenty-five team, and it was twenty ten. I'm just saying, though, I mean, it's <laughs> happened. I know, but here's the problem: Kentucky. Does not beat teams like this. That's why every year people are like, oh, wait a minute, Kentucky's 5-1. and one. They might have something for Georgia this year. And then they get either shut out like 23 to nothing or they get just destroyed like they did last year. Devin Leary but, ain't no Steven Garcia. Like, Kentucky doesn't have more than two players. Sure. And that might be kind. Two players that would be on the same field as the guys that are lining up for Alabama. Whereas... Ole Miss is just objectively way better than Kentucky. Like, I understand it's in Athens, right. but Ole, Ole Miss is just objectively way better. And, and Kentucky's environment is probably 12th out of 14 in the league, and it'll drop to 14th once Texas and Oklahoma come in next year. Yeah. Like, okay, sure, you lose a couple points for you if you're Alabama by not getting to play at home, but, like, I, if they handled A&M and 100,000 people, I don't think – you, you half it, and all of a sudden, oh. and, and play a team that's not as talented as A and M. No, I, no, I'm, I I, just, I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm predicting that Kentucky is going to beat Alabama. I'm not predicting. Right, that you're at just all. saying, in your opinion, you just want to see how they handle it more. I want to yep. see how Bama handles it. I, I think that's just what I'm intrigued more to see is that can Alabama handle what. Folks would look at it as a trap game again, like I said, coming off of a very hard fought physical, emotional win. Now you got to go on a road, a team that everybody expects you to beat. Nobody thinks you're going to have any sort of problems with going into somebody else's house and just running roughshod of them. I, you know, sometimes things happen. Like, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's intriguing to see if Bama can keep this momentum going. Whereas, Yes, Ole Miss is a much better team. Is that game against Georgia probably going to be the better game? I would assume so, but I'm just not sold that Ole Miss is going to be able to keep up with Georgia and really 
much of a way. Look, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give Tom a point here. Okay, I'm gonna give him a point because I'm arbitrary giving points. Brooks, you're still at zero for now. But Tom, All right. I I definitely took like the a point off matter. when I heard Tom say that for the first <laughs> time, and now I'm giving his point back. And I don't agree with this, by the way. But I'm just I'm just reading you the fact of the matter. The lines, Ole Miss or Georgia's favored by ten and a half over Ole Miss. All right. Alabama's favored by 10.5 over Kentucky. Yeah. It's the exact same line. Again, I, for the world, would pound the over over Alabama. <laughs> would would absolutely, you know, and, and risk it all. <laughs> but and, that but line, and Vegas will probably move that line as people uh-huh, look at that as and go, people do oh, that, oh yeah. goodness, jumping on that one. Because as long as Milrose in that game, assuming his progress is real, which I do think it is real, well, uh, I do think it's real sure. because he's was it or was LSU just a god awful defense that was even more depleted and sure. than already back? But you also got to consider that he looked really right, good the, and the dominant second half against Tennessee. Right, when you're down thirteen. That's your opportunity to to lose it. And, yeah. and have the season in, and then they come out in two plays and score a touchdown open. So I was yeah. like, nope, he's fine. They're fine, and, and it's unfortunate, but they're fine. They, there were things with Milrow. You, you could sit there and you can talk about how bad LSU's defense was and even worse with all the guys that are missing, but there were just things that he did at the eye test that mm-hmm. I don't care if it's against the best defense in the world or the worst defense in the world. There were things that he, were do, that he was doing that just passed the eye test, passed the physical test. Uh, the, the speed – that he shows that explosive speed when he decides to like turn and go downfield, that doesn't matter who you're playing against defense in. That's just pure talent. That's just that's damn hard to stop. I don't care who who's playing defense. When you have a quarterback that can turn his shoulders upfield and use that kind of speed and power, straight line. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. I mean, yeah. good luck. Well, um, and and then the ability to sit there and keep a play alive. With the threat of throwing the ball, uh, it was just you could just tell LSU's defense didn't know what the heck they were supposed to do because he's sitting there running, but still got the ball like he's about to throw it, and so LSU's like, "I we don't know what to do right now because he he's doing both all at the same with my hands." Yes, he's doing both at the exact same time, so I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to do. And typically, he would tuck it, and then like I said turn shoulders, turn up field, and then just explosive speed. And by that time, it's like, oh, boy, now this big dude is running at us. Now we got to try to tackle him. It was good. He he was very, very impressive. And, and his uh, his improvement over the season is noted. I, I, I'm i assuming, have we named our player of the week yet? Uh, we ha- well, I mean, we're not on this show. We have well, it's not who I voted for. Right. Right. Correct. My my vote for our weekly player of the week was Jalen Milrow. And it was because of everything I said. The stats were there. It, the, the stats were very similar to, to LSU. It, it was just something about him. And like I said, the, the keeping them on their toes with the, you know, are you going to pass? You're going to run the explosiveness when he was running. But then also, you know, I just have to take note on how much he has improved from the guy that got benched and the guy that Alabama fans were like saying, this dude does not need to be on the field ever again. Please transfer. Please go somewhere else or please never play football again. But whatever you do, do not put an Alabama Jersey on and step foot on the field. Now you've got Alabama fans going front runner for the Heisman. Let's go. Yeah. He has improved and, and he was impressive against LSU. 
Yeah. Now, can he keep it going against the vaunted Wildcats in the in the just hysteria of Kroger Field? We'll see. I think the <laughs> I think Jalen Milrose uh, candidacy for Alabama starting quarterback got helped out with that South Florida game when they watched whatever happened at their quarterback position yeah. run out there that was not named Jalen Milrow. True. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, after yeah, I mean if I don't know, you play the if game, but it, it, Buckner is not a power five quarterback and i'm not sure he's even a d1 quarterback after after watching that i mean south florida's not south florida does not have a good defense and and alabama looked dead in the world with him in there and there's some theories about that out there too but uh nevertheless they decisions can look hard at times and then they look far easier after the fact but uh he has been been very good as of late the rushing in that game what was interesting as far as how fast he is, that doubled his season rushing yards because he takes so many sacks and sometimes deep sacks that he's up to 297 yards on the season. But he ran for what, a buck 50 in that game, buck 60? Yeah. So he doubled his season total. And so if that flip has switched in him, or maybe they're the coaches are allowing it more. It's like you know what, fine. We we know we've now seen what you can do passing, and it's pretty good. But it's just not going to be every single drive how we succeed. Go ahead, mix in the run. Go ahead and and do that. Then that will unlock the best version of himself because that's a skill that I talked about earlier this year. That you know, Jace McClellan, their running backs are fine, but they don't have the elite skill that really every other back it feels like has gone through there has had the last 15 years. Well, Milrow at the quarterback position, he might not be the passer uh, that Tua was or Mac or maybe have the pocket presence Bryce Young had or, or whatever. But the skill he's got is that he is as fast as anyone on the football field. And so plus, plus a great deep ball. And so you combine those things and – you know, th- those are two very different things, and and they cause a lot of stress for defenses when you're having to defend fifty yards down the field, and then you have to account for Milrose legs. I mean, those are two treacherous things to account for. So they certainly did a really good job against LSU. They're going to win the West now, most likely, uh, unless the grocery store field proves awesome but again i would tell you this unless Ole miss beat georgia they can it lose does. it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> so uh, again they, they're gonna beat kentucky but if you were looking for one last gasp effort i mean Ole miss has got to beat georgia and and alabama's got to lose kentucky and alabama's got to lose auburn so yeah. uh not you, you beat tennessee and you beat lsu you beat a&m and that i'm sorry they're just not gonna lose to kentucky but um you're 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 hurling towards that game again i i think of the Ole miss game against georgia as the, what can Ole as a more viable path for Ole Miss winning than Kentucky, and I I think that ultimately Georgia will still be fine, but I do think that that offense is something that, and maybe even I want to see the Ole Miss part of it too. I mean, you talk about national picture, you're so fixated on Georgia. I want to see Ole Miss do it in a big game against a really good defense because they obviously have not beaten Alabama under Kiffin and they started off with a couple really good offensive performances but in the last couple of years where they've had more of a shot at beating them because Alabama's offense has not been as elite they've then been stymied 
against them. And so I want to see how Ole Miss reacts to going in to Athens against a great defense. And then conversely for Georgia, like this is this is a game where they need their best. They I still don't think they'll have Brock Bowers. So offensively that that's a consideration. And I can talk myself into this being at least suspiciously close for as much as I think that Georgia again, started to get a bad rap early in the year because, like, what are you doing only beating them by that many? Well, they didn't care. <laughs> that, that's the short answer. And should they care? Yes. I think you don't play enough games to just pick and choose when you care unless you're playing an FCS team. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, kind of like last year, they didn't care about some lesser teams. And when they have care, they played much better football. Without Bowers, if you're close situationally, I just want to see them. I guess what I'm telling you is, if you don't have Bowers, you got you got one or two more games without Bowers. And to be fair, these are their toughest games. Can they have the drive they need to have without Bowers? Because the one time they really needed a drive was against Auburn. And it was Bowers. And, and it was all Bowers. All Bowers. It was really all Bowers. And so that would be my question. Because And you say, well, if Bowers comes back, who cares? Yeah, but are you sure you come back 100%? And if he's 80%, if he's 75%, if he gets re-injured and they're playing Alabama and you need a drive and, and you ne- not necessarily can rely on him, what what is your then answer? And and maybe they still have that with Beck. But that's that's why I want to see – obviously, I, I don't like them. I would like the Blues. That's no <laughs> secret. But I would at least like to see how – just from a football analyzation standpoint – uh, if all I want to see Ole Miss push them, so they then come up with other answers other than Bowers for their late game stuff. Gotcha. And and I I would think because I believe in offense, if Ole Miss is truly who I and we and everyone thinks they are, they should at least score a few times on Georgia. They should not be held to ten points like they were against Alabama. I know it's happened. It's it's doable. But I believe – look, Alabama's defense is still good. LSU had 28, probably would have at least scored one more time no. if Daniels had made it through the four, fourth quarter. And I don't think the Bama's some bad defense because of that. I just think the LSU's offense is freaking incredible and Daniels might be the, the Heisman Trophy winner, even with three losses. No. Uh, you want a quick little Auburn football recruiting tidbit before we go to this last break? Uh, is there breaking news? Kind of. About 15, 20 minutes ago. Okay, yeah. Uh, DeAndre Carter – the offensive lineman from modern day high school that uh, has been committed to Auburn, made a visit to Texas, and everybody's been wondering what's going to happen to him. He says, excited to be headed to the Iron Bowl, staying home, 100% committed to Auburn. There you go. Right, gotta, you, you, gotta love it. I, I tell you what, uh, you just, I had not seen it. Yeah. So I scared you, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a little. I know well, it's a little yeah, past Auburn, Halloween. But. Auburn fans have been really anxiously seeing what DeAndre Carter was going to do after the commitment, but then he started making the visit to Texas. There were talks that he may may make a visit to Michigan, and it was like, well, if he's making these visits, how committed is he really? Well, what was it 20, 20 or so minutes ago? Yeah. Excited to be headed to Iron Bowl, staying home, hundred percent committed to Auburn. At Auburn football, at Coach Thornton sixty one, at Coach Euphries. So, sounds like DeAndre Carter, yeah, going to be a tiger. In. Yeah, uh, and again, Auburn's lost a couple commitments in recent weeks. Yeah, commitments Burnett, that Burnett 
Com- commitments yeah. that individually you can either explain away or justify or not have an awful taste in your mouth. But if you lost Carter, I don't know what the defense would have been there because they, they don't have a lot of big linemen uh, in the class. Yeah. He is the big lineman. He, he is their guy. And, right. And, uh, they, they all, going him. all the way out to California to bring the kid here. Yep. Out of time for hour number two. Stay tuned in hour number three, replaying some audio from Bruce Pearl from last week when he was on the show and much more. More Sports Call after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this Friday evening. Again, want to remind you, as we did at the top of the show, coming up on Thursday, the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department is the place to be. First at 3 o'clock, our show will be live 3 to 6 p.m. Myself, Brooks Childress. T.P. Hammock, a little splash of Tom P.B. No, here and there. I'll definitely put uh, A little, little dabble here and there. Live 3 to 6. We will have a couple giveaways. And then 6 o'clock, the main event. It's the only time we say we're not the main event. 6 o'clock, <laughs> though, is the main event at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. The Chili Dinner, again, benefiting the great folks at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department who use, that, use the funds raised there for equipment and upgrades and that sort of stuff. Again, $8 pre, if you go online right now, $10 at the door. There will be raffle tickets raffling off three or four great prizes, door prizes as well. It's a great event, 6 to 8, all-you-can-eat chili. And again, uh, Tom, we've certainly been out there several times. We certainly appreciate what you and all firefighters do for the community, and this is a great way to have some fun while also giving back. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a very fun event, uh, a very family friendly event. Uh, I I always try to stress that because a lot of times there's events like this, and you know they think there's alcohol, and when you, whenever you say there's food and live music, it's like ooh, let's go yeah. and no, this is family friendly. This is laid back, family friendly environment. Uh, we'll have a truck on display for all the kids to look at. Uh, you know, the kids can come and. Try on, try on some fire suits and look around the truck. Uh, I believe Sparky, uh, the the fire mascot, is going to be around. Is uh, there an age limit to that activity? <laughs> no. Can I try on your jacket? Yes. All right. You can try uh, on my jacket yes. and my helmet. Yes. <laughs> but um, so uh, and, and you know we've had. Man, we have had some great sponsors. Obviously, uh, Tiger Communications for years now has been one of our top sponsors and helping us out with that. And so uh, I, I am a part of this family, but I can tell you, you know, on behalf of everybody from Southwest Fire Department, you know, we we can't thank Tanker Communications enough for everything that, that this company does to help uh, promote that event. And all of our other sponsors, the Firing Pin, Plains Landscaping, 
uh, Niffers, uh, the list goes on and on and on of all the great sponsors that, that help out with this. And, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the sponsorships because uh, that's, that's one of the things that people don't realize. You put on an event like that, and you, you, um, on the business side of things, obviously we're doing it uh, to try to make a profit because it's a fundraiser. We're trying to you know, raise funds to help the fire department out. And so if we're having to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to put on an event, then it doesn't become worth it in the long run because you end up spending more than you make. And so on the business side of things, it's, you know, it's still a cool event we can bring everybody out and have a great time, but we're trying to benefit the department. And so we have to rely on the sponsors to, to help out with that. And there's so many great sponsors from all over that have helped us out with this, whether it be providing uh, things for door prizes, whether it be providing uh, the, the, the gifts that we're going to raffle off, helping out with food, Philly connection every year. Uh, that family that runs Philly connection loves first responders and they help out tremendously every single year. And so Philly Connection is a big one. It's just, it's a, it's a great event. And the other thing is I want to stress again for all of our listeners that, that might be curious. I've said it again, I'll, or I've said it before and I'll say it again. Our fire department is made up mostly of university students. Um, most fire departments that you're going to run across, you're going to have people that are out of college, all the way up in, you know, gray-haired guys out there doing it. And that could be uh, professional professional fire departments. And then a lot of your volunteer fire departments going to be the older crowd. This, this department is very different in that the majority of our roster are university students. And so it's a very neat aspect of that, of, you know, the thing that I can always say is you have kids that uh, they might be sitting in class in the Haley Center taking a taking a class in Haley Center 10 minutes later they're going into a burning building to fight a fire or they're cutting a car apart desperately trying to free somebody out that has been in a car accident and they're they're performing CPR on somebody saving lives and 15 minutes before they were sitting in a class in the Haley Center so that's it's such the neat aspect with that of how you've got so many university students that are willing to volunteer their time and their effort and their energy into a fire department like that, along with taking on their class load and, and doing that. I, it's, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal story when you really think about what the, these young men and women do of balancing the world of both college student and firefighter. And so that's all the more reason to come out and support them. Yet you're supporting the fire department, but you're supporting these, these young men and women that really sacrifice so much to provide a very needed service out there in the community. And it, it's such a great thing. But, you know, please come out. Uh, come out and see us. Come and meet me. Come and meet everybody else from the fire department. And uh, uh, it, it's it's part of that giving. And uh, it, it, it doesn't go... To nothing it goes to help us get equipment it helps us to upgrade equipment uh just general upgrades with the fire department as a whole it, i mean it, it it is a very very worthy cause uh for you to come and be a part of and it's fun Absolutely. It, it's a fun event that everybody asks about every year i i it, it's it's really uncanny 13 years now that we've been doing this the only year that it, this is uh, this is the 13th we've done. This is the 14th year. We had to miss a year due to COVID. Um, 
so I mean, it's the 14th year, but the 13th uh, chili dinner, and it has become such an event that I'm telling you, I, I get asked all the time. Once it starts getting around late summer, early fall, everybody starts asking me, "When's chili dinner?" We need to know when the chili dinner is. I run across so many people that they just want to know when the chili dinner is. So it has become just that fun event that so many people turn out for. Um, it's it's great, and I, I can't wait for it. I can't. It, it's hard work putting this together. I'm I'm tired. I'm sleepy. I got to leave here, and I've got more stuff I got to do. And I'm going to be up there all day tomorrow doing stuff. Unfortunately, you will not see hear me here on the show tomorrow because. I do have uh, responsibilities there all day tomorrow and then all day Thursday getting ready for it. By the time Thursday night rolls around, I, we're, we're all ready for a, a cold beverage. Yes. So. Well, and two, <laughs> I was going to throw in there, you definitely want to say hi to Tom. And you want to wish him an early happy birthday. That's right. Because that's coming up. The I, wasn't day even, I wasn't even mentioning that. I mean, yeah, I mean it's a big yeah. old week for you, honestly. Yeah. It's a lot going on, a lot of work. I bet do you have to work your fat daddies on Friday. I do. Okay. Well, hey, th- th- they need it, to pour one out for you. Well, you know. yeah. Uh, well, see, the thing is, that's the crazy, uh, the unfortunate thing. I guess having my birthday fall on the very next day, um, I'm not going to be working at Fat Daddy's on Thursday because mm-hmm. I have to be at the chili dinner. Yep. So I'm missing out on a day's worth of work. So and then I've got to work on Friday to make up for what I miss on Thursday. It's an unfortunate thing about it. I mean, it is what it is. But also, when you get to my age, birthdays, it's like, mm, okay, it's birthday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Well, th- th- thanks for sh- thanks for reminding me that I'm getting older, and <laughs> if I actually had hair on my head, it would probably be getting a little gray. Uh, <laughs> I actually grew some out for Halloween, and I could definitely see a little bit of gray, uh-huh. kind of right above the ears, where everybody first starts getting gray. It's like. You know, between the reddish blonde of my hair, I'm like, oh, yeah, I see a little gray there. I'm like, oh, boy, let me go ahead and shave that off again real quick. So, but yeah, it's uh, I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, come out, wish me a really happy birthday. But come and eat some chili and enjoy the music. Maybe you might win a prize. You and, might win a Yeti cooler. And, look, we <laughs> again, you said uh, – the attendance has usually been twos, three hundreds of people, twos that sort of thing. To, yeah, twos, twos to three hundreds. Um, that's typical uh the times that we've had really we've had we've and that we do this rain or shine right now the weather is supposed to be nice uh, yes thursday excellent. uh but we have had some years where we've had some where it is just flat out freezing yeah. your tail off cold and we've had to put big uh industrial burners inside the bay yep. just to keep it warm because this is an event we pull all the trucks out and we have all the tables set up inside our large truck bay and that's where the event takes place there's not a lot of heating in that big wide open void so we've had somewhere we've had to put the big heaters up i don't know that we're going to need those this year i really don't think so yeah um and we've had some where we've done it in just pure torrential downpours uh to where we're having to put hay out in in the parking areas because it just turns into a huge mud pit doesn't look like we're going to have to deal with that either so um all the more reason to come out. I mean, we do it rain, rain or shine, but it sounds like there's not going to be any rain, and it's going to be more sunshine. Obviously, it'll be dark by the time it gets going, but uh, no excuse. You can't weather. Weather's not an excuse to come out and see it today because it's going to be very moderate temperatures, and it's yep. going to be dry, and you can come out and have a great time with us. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I think we've been a part of one. I at least remember, I think I remember about, 
maybe one that was raining, a kind of cool rain, and then right. one that was really cold, maybe in the 40s yeah. uh, by that evening. But, uh, yeah, the forecast on, on Thursday, mid to upper 70s, and then so it gets going at 6. Still be in the upper 60s by yeah, then. It'll be nice. Yeah, it'll be yeah, very be, comfortable. Be, be 60s all during the event, and yeah. that's that's honestly perfect. So yeah, it, it'll be it'll be very comfortable. So, uh, and if you if you do if you do feel a little chill, we'll have some hot sauce for the chili. So <laughs> put a little hot sauce in your chili and warm your belly up. Absolutely, look, we love it. We love it. We're gonna head to our next timeout of the show. When we come back, we're gonna play that Bruce Pearl interview from last week as we kind of made it kind of before the entire season a look ahead. We do reference that exhibition game that was from last week, so you might hear that once or twice. But uh, we talked to Bruce Pearl last week. We're going to play that for you again right now ahead of Auburn and Baylor coming up in just a couple of hours from South Dakota's Auburn basketball tips their season off. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call Tiger 95.9. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you as we are pleased to go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And we now welcome on the head basketball coach of Auburn University, Coach Bruce Pearl, onto the show today. Coach Pearl, it's game day. We're all very excited. And uh, I, I just want to know how you've gotten up this morning knowing that Auburn basketball has a game today. <laughs> well, good to be with you, Ryan. Good to be with you, Brooks. Um, I, uh, I'm excited. Uh, I like my team. I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, we had a good workout on Sunday uh, in a private scrimmage against Furman, so I thought we were, you know, I thought we, we walked away from that pleased with how hard we played. Um, but this is a team with a lot of new pieces and a team that's going to have to continue to uh, continue to learn and grow and, and get better. And, and uh, we've got a daunting non-conference schedule, so it, 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 it's going to heat up real quick. And coach, with that non-conference schedule, I remember last year talking about the the goal was to get teams that were projected to or the potential to win their leagues. This year, it feels that there are some more power conference teams on the schedule. Also, the venues that you're going to. I mean, you're going everywhere from South Dakota to New York to Atlanta to Huntsville. Just talk about how excited you are for the kind of the difference of, of schedules in the non-conference this year. Well, you know, Ryan, when you schedule the non-conference, you send your team and your program a message about where you want them and where you see them. Um, you know, fortunately, um, we won enough that I'm not worrying about my job security right now. Um, that's not, you know, taking it lightly. But a lot of coaches can't play the kind of schedule we're playing right now because if we're not successful, um, you could lose your job. And um, But I, I, we're trying to keep Auburn basketball relevant on a national stage. And that's, that's, that's hard to do. It's easier to get it going than it is to keep it going. So when there was an opportunity to open up against Baylor on a nationally televised ESPN game 
and you know there's not a whole lot else going on that night um we had a jump at that um and then you know nobody wanted to play notre dame in brooklyn because of the incredible fan base that the fighting irish have in new york city that's going to be like a road game um but by placing my players in those situations and being able to compete in those situations, um, it's going to get us ready for SEC play. It's going to make us a better team. You know, there's got to be a balance, though, between scheduling too hard and, 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 and the possibility of losing confidence in each other and what we do. And that certainly could happen in this non-conference. Um, or being able to handle the adversity of some losses, learn from them, and, and, and grow. And that's what I'm hoping we could do. Coach Pearl, over the offseason, something happened with your program that hasn't really happened a lot since you've uh, taken over, and that's an assistant coach departed. Uh, and there was a lot of staff shuffling, uh, and you know, your son, Stephen, was elevated to associate head coach. Talk about some of those moves that you made over the offseason with reshuffling that coaching staff. Well, Stephen is, uh, is ready, and he's had an opportunity to be head coach at a lot of different places for the last, for the last several years. And he's just stayed loyal to Auburn and loyal to me, and um, I'm hoping one day he's going to be the next head coach here at Auburn, um, and he's certainly prepared for it. Um, and uh, it was, it was a, uh, something that you know, we discussed as a staff. You know, Ira Bowman is incredibly valuable to this staff in so many ways uh, as a recruiter, as a coach, as a teacher, as a role model. I mean, he's one of the best assistants in the country. And moving Stephen to associate coach was something that Ira understood, blessed, and um, and then bringing in Corey Williams, a KG vet, great person, uh, very well respected in the industry, um, and uh, was a great player himself, uh, great uh, with with a great communicator, teacher with our players. Um, so I think it just add to it, and and then I think the other, the other thing that's most, as as significant as anything, the NCAA added two more assistant coaches. Partly so that um, uh, that when when your guys that are recruiting are on the road, you're able to have some coaches back home still coaching and teaching um, because um, uh, it's th- th- just uh, we're able to train year round. And um, I don't have recruiters. I've got coaches. I have fathers. I have teachers that also have to recruit. Stephen, Ira, uh, and Corey. Um, I think most coaches went out and, and brought in some other talent. I had talent in the program. I was able, able to elevate Chad Pruitt uh, to an assistant coach. I was able to, who's been with Chad's been with me now 10 years. I was able to elevate Mike Burgermaster, who came in as a grad assistant um, and worked his way through the different, you know, operational uh, positions to become an assistant coach at age 28, I think. Um, and so, um, I really, I've got, to, I really, really feel good about my staff, and uh, most importantly, so do my players. And then, coach, looking at your your roster coming into this year, you brought in a lot of new pieces this off season. But one piece that stayed here uh, was Janai Broom. Talk about having a guy like that back for another year uh, on this uh, this program. Well, Janai came back for a couple reasons. Um, personally, he wanted to elevate his draft stock. Um, he wanted to expand his game. And I think you'll see an expansion of his game offensively as a playmaker and a shooter, um, uh, in addition to his ability to be an old-school back-to-the-basket force on the inside. What I'd like from him to do is become more of a factor on the defensive end. Um, he accomplishes those things, then he's got a chance to elevate his draft stock. Um, 
And, um, you know, but you can't talk about Janai without talking about Dylan Cardwell uh, because together I think we'll have, you know, for 40 minutes, we'll have as good a five-man as there is in the league. You know, Dylan impacts the game in such a way defensively in the air, um, making his teammates better. Um, and so, I, you know, it, 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 it's a position that we're really solid and, and, and got two really good players there. Talking to Bruce Pearl today on Sports Call Coach, one or two more for you. I know you've got a busy schedule today. Uh, I want to talk point guards and uh, not the angle maybe you've been asked already here in the fall. I know everyone's curious about who will start, but what I'm curious about, let's say we see the best version of Trey Donaldson, the Trey Donaldson we started to see in the NCAA tournament. Let's say we see why Aiden Holloway was a five-star recruit from the very beginning. What's the interest level from you in playing them both at the same time at any point? Well, I think that that is possible, and I think they're both playing really well, and you will see the Trey Donaldson that you saw at the end of last season. Um, And so, that's a really good. That's that's good news. Um, that's going to depend on what how KD Johnson and Denver Jones, uh, Leor Berman, uh, Chris Moore, and Chad Baker play. Those are the other five guards in the program, and um, depending upon you know either injury or performance, uh, that'll determine whether or not Trey and Aiden would play together. Uh, it's certainly a possibility, um, um, but right now. If they're if they're if they're going to play forty minutes in a game and they're both going to play, the idea is to have a really good point guard at the floor at all times. And then, Coach Pearl. Finally, I know that uh, this team, the, the guys you brought in, expected to shoot a whole lot better than maybe the last couple of teams. But I know you voiced your concerns on the defensive end to start the season. What are some of the things that you're looking for in terms of improvement defensively as you go through the first part of the schedule? Well, the challenge is, is going to be simply to guard your yard. The challenge is just simply your ability to stay in front of somebody. Uh, the secondary defender cannot come over and rotate take charges like they were before because of some rule changes. And so you're going to see guys having the ability to drive the ball all the way to the basket. Now the question is, can we challenge shots without fouling? That, that, that skill set of guarding one-on-one and being able to retreat and force people to take tough twos uh, without always rotating, or when I rotate, we rotate over. We're able to rotate over, block shots, and sink and fill on the backside and rebound. That right there would be probably number one in 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 in, in our ability, you know, to uh, to win and be more successful on the defensive end uh, tonight against Auburn Montgomery. They'll have some guys by virtue of being smaller than us uh, as a Division two school to be able to drive by us. And when they do, what are the results? Um, and if we can make them miss and rebound and run um, versus following them and giving them easy ones, that's going to be the, the, that's going to be the, the tale. Coach Pearl, obviously we're very fired up for basketball season. We're looking forward uh, to seeing these veterans return, to seeing these new guys in the fold. And uh, we certainly wish you well this season. We hope to talk to you again down the line. Okay. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate being with you this morning. Absolutely. That's Coach Bruce Pearl joining us today on Sports Call.
Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday. Again, that was our interview with Coach Bruce Pearl last week before that Auburn-Montgomery exhibition. But again, a lot of things that apply to the season as a whole. And the season as a whole has arrived. Auburn taking on number 20 Baylor in about a couple or a couple hours from now at the Sanford Pentagon in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I think that uh, this is a really exciting opportunity for Auburn to play really the only meaningful game. Uh, I think it was Jeff Goodman that tweeted that good on Auburn and Baylor for playing each other and playing a a good game on the second day of college basketball because you you look at it and everyone started last night and there's some big games this weekend. You know, there's going to be scattered throughout the non-conference. There's going to be there's – those non-conference tournaments and that sort of thing, but not a whole lot on the docket today. But also Auburn and Baylor take center stage. It's going to be a national audience for sure. And, uh, again, a a lot of questions around the team. Again, not in the preseason top 25. Kind of preseason projected the kind of finish around they did last year uh, where they were in the 8-9 game in the NCAA tournament which, you know, puts you between 28th, 30th, 32nd best team in the country, somewhere in there. And I think that's the preseason projection. So, guys, I mean, what do you – big picture. I mean, what are your expectations for this team this year? (laughs) Excuse me. Um, Don't get all emotional. Yeah, really, (laughs) seriously. Oh, man. I don't know. That's the thing. There's just so <laughs> many questions about this team. I, there's so many newcomers that are supposed to have big time impacts. Like, I, I, I don't know how to gauge this team. All I, all I can gauge is what I have heard about their practices and what little you can take from a, a, a game against uh, AUM, a, a, a scrimmage game, or a preseason game, however you want to call it, against AUM. Um. I, I, the biggest thing that I need to see is I, Auburn's got to shoot the ball better all the way around from three, from the free throw line. My expectations are that they will shoot better because I, I think Bruce Pearl saw enough of that last year and really even the, the year before that he was just like, we, we got to fix this. Uh, I mean, it, the shooting of, of Auburn over the last couple of years has just been absolutely brutal. And still winning games, even though not shooting great, still <laughs> just, you know, winning games, making the tournament. But he expects more. The Auburn fan base expects more. Um, and so for that reason, I think they have brought some guys in that will shoot the ball. And so that's what I'm I'm expecting is that this team is going to be a lot better shooting. And I think that should put them in a better situation to win even more games potentially. Uh, we got to see the defense. That's uh, it. Sounds like that's going to be a big question mark. Is can the team defend? It, it feels like that he he's got the shooters in there that he wants, but he's kind of got some questions on defense. So 
Um, my expectations are throughout the season is that this team is going to be a better shooting team. I expect there's probably going to be some drop-off in defense a little bit um, just from what it sounds like. But I still ultimately think that Auburn is able to get to the tournament this year. I, I still believe it's a tournament team. Uh, there's going to be some bumps in the road. Uh, this is not a Final Four caliber team. Uh, I don't. Be- I really just don't believe that. Um, and so – but I do believe it is a tournament team. But with that said, there's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be some wins that you really look at and you're like, heck, yeah, man, you know, stepped up stepped up, and, and got it done. And then there's going to be some others that are going to leave you scratching your head wondering what the heck just happened. So um, enjoy the roller coaster ride. We're, we're leaving the station. Auburn's got 13 non-conference games before you hit the slate, the schedule. Seven of those are at home, so just just right over half of those games are played on the road or away from uh, Neville Arena this year. I really, really like, and you know, we we've talked about it. You've read articles about it. I and Bruce Pearl's even talked about it. I really like this non-conference schedule because it's going to test them. It's going to start to show you what type of basketball team this is early before you hit conference play. It's not going to be, you know, one of these where you you get a false sense of, oh, this team's going to be really good because they come out of the non-conference, you know, with one loss or undefeated because they played a bunch of nobodies. You look at this this slate, you got Baylor, you got Notre Dame, you've got either Oklahoma State or St. Bonaventure, you got Virginia Tech, you're on the road to App State, uh, neutral side against Indiana, against UNC Asheville, you get USC. This is a this is a solid, solid slate of non-conference games that you're really probably going to see what this team's going to look like. I think this team's got the potential to be a top eight, uh, or I say a top eight seed, a a top an uh, an eight seed or above somewhere in the NCAA tournament. Um, when when it's all said and done, I think that Auburn, you got the talent on the roster. I think they can do it. Now, I, I agree with you, Tom. I think the big thing is they're. I think they're going to be a better shooting team. You look at it. You look at how they they've been constructed. It looks like they're going to be a better shooting team. Can they get the defensive stops that they need for that shooting to matter? Because you could shoot the lights out of a of a building if the other team's doing it too. It, you're, it's going to be hard to win some basketball games, especially yeah. in this conference when you've got you know, teams uh, that are that are so talented and the, the talent level of the SEC continues to rise almost every single year. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be super fun. Uh, I, I think that the I think Bruce Pearl has, has put together a, a solid team. Uh, this I don't think this is the best team he's ever constructed. I, I think mm. that it's a few notches down from that. But uh, like I said, I think that they can be a top eight seed some somewhere. I, when I say a top eight seed, I, you I mean do, like the eight line? The yeah, yeah, and yeah. Of the line. Top I don't mean thirty-two team. I don't mean yeah. a team that is automatically, you know, you should expect them to be in the elite eight. Although would be great, but I think that somewhere in that in the top, yeah, the top thirty-two uh, yep. seeding in the, the NCAA tournament, I, I think that is it looks it's a really it, it's constructed that way. I, I, I like it. Um, the the big test is you know you, you've obviously got this Baylor team tonight. If Auburn doesn't come out and win this game, don't hit the panic button. It's a top twenty-five Baylor team. Uh, it's a team that very recently went uh, went and won a national championship. Obviously, some of those players or most of those players are gone, but it's still the you know they they've won a national championship here in recent years. Um, it's the, the, this team has potential this year. I, I think it's a better constructed team than last year, and you know the the best part is. 
is, you know, last year there were certain points where we were talking about searching for a point guard, searching for a true point guard. Well, they got two on the roster now. I think you got Trey Donaldson who can really step up, and then if Aiden Holloway steps up, you got two guys that can run the point very, very effectively uh, for for the Sovereign team. And so, you know, you come into this year, you've got a great chance at it, and uh, it, it's it, it's just going to be super fun watching Auburn basketball this year. So one thing I noticed, and then I'll give you my expectation, my ceiling, and my floor for the team this year is that this is a pretty balanced schedule for Auburn. We have talked about in previous shows what they've got in the SEC when that was announced. We've talked about their non-conference that feel like a lot in the last couple of months. But it's very symmetrical in terms of difficulty, at least in the preseason. Now, things will happen. It never goes chalk, and, and maybe we'll look back and there'll be a murderer's rose stretch. But when you just look at the season ahead as it's constructed right now. You've got one ranked game in the month of November. That's against Baylor, obviously, tonight. Got a couple other decent teams in there, Virginia Tech and Notre Dame, but that's one ranked team. December, you have one ranked team. It's USC. They come to Neville Arena, middle of the month. You have one or two other power teams. You have Indiana as the main one in the month of December. But again, pretty, pretty even November and Decembers. You look at January, you've got three ranked matchups in the Southeastern Conference in the month of January. You're at Arkansas, host, uh, who's number 14 to start the year, host A&M, who's number 15, and go to Alabama late in the month, who's number 24. Okay, and then in February, you have three ranked SEC teams again. You host Alabama early in the month. You go, uh, you host Kentucky around the middle of the month, and you go to Tennessee to end the month. And then March in three games, you have no preseason top 25 teams. My point is... This screams to me a balanced, decent, I, I don't want to say middle of the road because middle of the road out of 350 is not a tournament team, Hell yeah. but a, a, a balanced schedule, a balanced basketball team. I think this team will have moments where it scores 80 points and it hits 12 threes and it flows very fluidly. I think it'll have times where it gets bogged down, maybe foul trouble to broom hurts it, Maybe rebounding hurts it. Maybe inexperience playing together, or at least inexperience, relatively speaking, at the point guard position playing meaningful minutes will hurt it at times, maybe too. I think it'll have times where it, again, looks like a whole lot of fun, or Holloway shows you why he was a five-star, why there was a lot of fuss about Denver Jones, why uh, there was a, a great importance to the return of Jalen Williams and Janai Broom. I just think this will have a little bit of everything, and I think ultimately it amounts into a team that will functionally be similar to last year's team. It will be a 20-win team. It will maybe have a cup of coffee in the top 25. It will have a two-game losing streak. It will be sixth or seventh in the SEC. It will have a couple of what is shouldas. It will have a couple of nice triumphs. And it will be around the seven or eight line in the NCAA tournament. That is my projection mm -hmm. for the team. Uh, my ceiling and floor. I think the worst scenario, to start with that, is a team that does miss the NCAA tournament. A team that's in the NIT. There's new NIT rules this year. We don't really have time to get into them this year. But let's just say that if you are a middling major, you're almost locked into the NIT this year if you don't make the big dance. So a team that ends up in the NIT, 
uh, a team that doesn't ever get the scoring out of the point guard position it thought it would. Maybe Aiden Hallway is a little spastic, and Trey Donaldson's more of a distributor, and you don't get the shooting quite out of it that you think. You know, I'm going over worst case scenario. You know, maybe Chad Baker Mazzara is not a complete player. Maybe you do regret not getting another big in the portal, and you just don't rebound well enough at times, and that sort of thing. And the defense does hurt you, and you just end up being a, a team that can score but can't defend, and and ultimately end up seventeen and fourteen, seven and eleven, or eight and ten in conference play, and you miss. That's the that's the worst, worst case. Yeah. The the best case for me is a team that makes it. I would say, kind of. Steve was saying that I forget which side it was. The projection of a five seed. I think the best key, best case, is about a top fifteen to twenty team that that maybe pokes towards the top ten but falls short. Uh, I, I think that you could have this scenario where, as we talked about in the Bruce Pearl interview, where Trey Donaldson does look like NCAA tournament Trey Donaldson, where Aiden Hallway is awesome from the word go. Denver Jones, the scoring translates to this level of the SEC. Chad Baker-Mazar, who I thought was really good in the exhibition, putting the ball on the deck, is a complete scorer. He does hit the perimeter jumper as he does in his college tenure, but he also adds the drive game. You get a more uh, a more refined Janai Broom, maybe a more forceful at times Janai Broom. And then you do have bench depth because maybe KD Johnson gets the second half of last year. KD Johnson, a little bit more consistency. You do get something out of Chaney Johnson. You get the hustle and effort out of Chris Moore. Uh, and and so that the best case for me is about, again, a four seed or so in the NCAA tournament that finishes about third in the SEC uh, and, and wins about 23. 425 games. So th- right. those are all of my ceilings and floors, that sort of well, thing. Well, that, and that, that, base, that best case scenario uh, is, well, I think we discussed it on yesterday's show, is that you hold court at home and, and you can have a slip up. Right. Like, like they did last right. year. I was A&M. Yes. Lost at home late in the season at home to yep. A&M. Um, but if you, can pre- if you can hold that home court advantage and win – Almost all of your games at home, I get it. Okay, so you'll you maybe you have a slip up once in the conference and sure. maybe to USC in the non-conference. Sure, maybe one of those that a team comes in and they're just damn it, they're just better that night. Mm, it happens, and then you don't just go over on the road. You still got to be able to get wins on the road and do that. That that's going to be your best case scenario. Um, what worries me though, my my biggest biggest concern with this team. Is because we have talked about the shooting. We've and we've said, you know, how much they've got to improve with the shooting. We know that they're going to love to shoot the three ball because that's what we've seen over the last couple of years. Is they are they love to rely on that three point shooting. Do they have the ability to do something else other than shoot the threes? And can they do that well enough when the threes aren't going? My biggest biggest fear is that we sit here on a show and we're looking at the box scores and we're like, Jesus, they shot 33s and hit four. They are four, they were four for 30 from three. What are we doing? Why are we shooting 33-pointers and only hitting four? That's my biggest concern is that you end up with a team like that because you don't have another option. It's like we have to shoot the three because we just don't have – the dribble drive present. We don't have those guys that can hit that mid-range jumper. 
Janai is great on the inside, but geez, they're doubling down on him and he can't get anything done because they're daring us to shoot from the outside because now we just can't hit the broad side of a barn. That's what scares me anytime you're looking at a team that wants to shoot a lot of threes is that that's what it is and it's live or die by the three. And sometimes you're going to have those games that you're just looking at the box score going, what in the world? That's my fear. I don't want that to happen. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I really, I, I really have put my, my trust in Bruce Pearl and this staff that they have really evaluated guys that they're going to bring in here and that they know that they have upped their level of shooting from what it has been the last couple of years to where you feel more confident that you can shoot 25 threes and hit 10 or 11 of them. You know, that's – Yeah, hey, 10, 25 is 40%. I'll take yeah. it. I will take it. Yep. But, again, some of those brutal box scores that we've looked at before that you're just – you kind of – it just opens your eyes. You're like, good, Lord have mercy. Yeah. Like, well, why, like, why – like, at what point do you just go stop shooting threes and let's just do something else? I, I don't want it to get into that situation, but that is a fear. Well, and, and look, you know and we know from years of Bruce Pearl – teams that look he's going to empower his kids to shoot threes like like, and he is going to allow it for the most part and that's why it's so essential that they do it well this year because it's not they they start they last year they started to control themselves a little bit better and they they stopped taking as many threes right but it was ultimately a team that was in the three low 300s in percentage (laughs) so i mean that's in like the 10th percentile yeah uh, oh, it was of, of brutal. Point brutally, yeah, brutally it was ba- bad. It was bad. So they have a lot, a lot of improving to do there. That's why they bring in Denver Jones. That's why Chad Baker Mazar is yeah. important. That's why they hope Aiden Holloway can shoot from the get go. Look at the what go now. You take it. Games are different, but I was watching the video of Aiden Holloway hitting from the logo. Right. Just like it was nothing. Sure. Jared Harper style. Sure. And you hope that that translates. You do. Look, I'll tell you that my one quick aside, and we get, get get to the TV guide. My perspective on basketball changed when I became a student at Auburn about a decade ago, and Simeon Bowers was here because I got to go to my first Auburn games. I'm telling you what, Simeon Bowers in in, in pregame warmup looked like prime Rasheed Wallace. I mean, he he was probably near 45 percent three point shooter in uh, warm-ups and then when he got into a game it went down about in half to low to mid 20s it felt like and it was like please don't shoot the pull-up three never mind okay yeah, a- yeah and that's how it went so these guys in practice certainly can stripe it and uh you're just hoping that that will translate in the game for Aiden Hallway Ooh, Simeon Bowers what a blast uh I remember him. They had to move him to point guard because they were just so bad and got depleted, and he had to play point guard. I know that's yeah. crazy. It's a thing that happened, yeah. and uh, here we are. Final minute or two of the show time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, just about sixty seconds. What do we got? One movie pick for you this evening on HBO at six o'clock. It's Pitch Perfect two, the sequel to the hit Pitch Perfect. 
Pitch Perfect 2. I enjoy it. It's acapella singing if you've never watched it. Love it's me a, some acapella. It's uh, it's quite, quite funny. Uh, sports picks for you this evening. We've got some football on tonight. Maction. Some midweek Maction is back. 6 o'clock on ESPNU. You've got the battle in or the rivalry matchup in the 95th meeting between Central Michigan and Western Michigan. Also at 6.30 on ESPN2, Ohio visits Buffalo. Some action there for you. College basketball on your TVs tonight, 6 o'clock on FS1. Stony Brook visits St. John's. It's the uh, start of the Rick Pitino era up at uh, the Red Storm. Uh, Stony Brook Very comes, intrigued by that. It, it, they come to uh, come to play at St. John's. Then, of course, uh, 8 o'clock on ESPN, the Baylor Bears take on the Auburn Tigers in Sioux Falls. And then at 8 o'clock as well, the other top 25 team in action tonight besides Baylor, uh, Florida A&M visits Creighton tonight. You've also got a pair of hockey games on TNT. And then Pickleball is yeah. on right before Auburn at 7 o'clock on ESPN. So prime up your Auburn basketball with some PPA Tour Pickleball right before Auburn basketball plays. You know, and that is our Nightly TV Guide brought to you by Hard Seltzer. Gotta love you some Pickleball. Even though I like playing it, I don't think that I will. But uh <laughs> I still need to go play pickleball with you guys. Yes, we do need to set that up. We do need to set that up. Well, maybe in a less busy week. For oh, this week. yeah. <laughs> uh, that will do it for the show today. Brooks, thank you for that TV guide, and thank you for being on the show today. We'll see you real briefly tomorrow. We'll also see you at the High School Coaches Show tomorrow. Yes, sir. And Tom Peavy, thank you for being here today. We won't see you tomorrow, but again, no. looking forward to seeing you out at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department on Thursday. Uh, absolutely. Come see us Thursday at the Fire Department, eat some chili, listen to some music. And, uh, yeah, I'll pop on the show with you Thursday, but – Unfortunately, yes, can't be here tomorrow, and I'll miss you guys. Yes, sir. We'll, we will miss you. That will do it for the show today. We want to thank Johnny Harris, head women's basketball coach of Auburn University, for joining us. And for Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Tuesday night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.